Hey everybody, Matt, Jess and Dave here. Sorry Jess, just butting in quickly to let the listeners know that I'm going to be in Sydney uh, this week coming up the 8th to the 12th of May and uh, you can get tickets now via mattsfieldcomedy.com then going straight to Brisbane on the 16th to the 19th. So tickets for my show Dry Dryer. In Sydney and Melbourne. Sorry, Matt, I'll just cut you off there. I just need to tell everyone that our quiz show, our web series is out right now. Do go on the quiz show. You can see it on Stupid Old Channel for free on YouTube. Type in, do go on the quiz show, and you can see three episodes right now covering topics like Google, Queen Victoria, the Olympics, and we've got five more episodes coming up. So like and subscribe, whatever that means. They are big topics too. And I said Sydney and Melbourne. I meant Sydney and Brisbane. Anyway, let's get on with the show. I'm still here too. (laughs) Oh, hey, Jess. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnke and as always I'm here with Matt Stewart. Hello Matt. Hey Dave. Uh, Quick question, how good is it to be alive? Well, I think it's pretty good, but I'm going to check in with a, a third person right now for their opinion. And please welcome back to the show. We are so stoked to have none other than the one, the only, Alastair Tremblay Birchall. It is me, none other, none other. Hello. David, Matthew. So good Jessi- to have you here. Jessica, Jessica's absent, but, um, <laughs> or is it Bopica on this pod? <laughs> yeah. I we said this- Bop, short for Bopica. Yeah, Bop- Bopica. Bopica. Yeah. I think, I think uh, she answers to both. Yeah, great. Can you believe it's Block once again? I can believe it because I I sit on my hands until Block arrives. Oh, I, so when you when your hands are numb and you're that's you know, right doing and, various things with them, and then I write a block. report and I write a report so it feels like someone else is writing it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, Al, I only speak to you during Block. I haven't spoken to you for over a year. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's been a very good year in that regard. Um, but uh, but I have been sitting by the phone and thinking about topics that I could do, <laughs> and then none of them lined up with the thing, the topics that would uh, be on blo- were you know on blocks. Because so. your previous block topics, mm. I don't know if they've all been in block, but your previous trilogy of topics mm. were keen for pain, yeah, lit for clit, lit for clit, whacker for cloaca. Yeah, yeah. I you know canonically I refer to them as the history of orifices. Yes, uh, trilogy. <laughs> the trilogy. <laughs> yeah. The first um, trilogy. 
Yeah. Could be a second. Yeah, that could be a prequel trilogy. (laughs) Oh, think about that. What happened before Holes? You're just waiting for the special effects to to catch up before you do your prequel. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I want to replace Jabba the... um, (laughs) Forget it. I I was trying to make a reference to Star Wars and it didn't work. Um, But uh, yeah, so uh, this time I'm back. And uh, this time it's a non... You're going to find this very hard hard to believe, but this is a non-orifice themed podcast okay that's so strange so there's no holes at all involved with this actually you're closer you're closer to than than you might think there might not even be an indentation oh my god well before we get into the topic match should you explain to new listeners who might not know what is blockbuster toba blockbuster toba or uh block Topher grace period, <laughs> as some people refer to it as, is the most joyous time in the do-go-on universe's year. And it's where we we do the biggest topics, we put them up to a big public vote, and we've had thousands of voters, and now we're counting down the top nine most voted for slash most requested topics of 2023. We're up to the eighth most voted for topic now with Alastair trombley Birchall And uh, Al, I mean, we kind of know what the topic is because we had to give it to you. Sure. But do you have a question to get us onto the topic? I sure do. I sure do. Um, hopefully everybody ignored the the t- title when they clicked on the link to see what the uh, oh, yeah. episode was going to be. Everyone goes in blind. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> now, we all know that Nikola Tesla's greatest invention was alternating current mm. electricity. Right? Daka. That's right. <laughs> well, not the DACA part. That not was, the DACA. That he was, was just the ACA. <laughs> no, yeah, he was just the ACA. Who came up with the DACA? Yeah. That well, was, I think that was Brian Edison. Johnson. Edison. Bon Scott. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, bon Scott was the Edison. That's right. To, to, to Malcolm Young's Tesla. Tesla. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, Angus. <laughs> um, now, but what do you think was his potential worst Thing that he ever did. Ooh. Oh, so is it an invention? Or is it just- I mean, it's. I, mean, I would say it's the re- the potential result of one of his inventions. I'm going to say giving naming rights to Elon Musk. Yes, that's exactly it. We did it. All right, that's it. Close. <laughs> uh, no, according to some conspiracy theorists, it's the Tunguska impact, the Tunguska event. Ooh. Oh, an impact, an event. Mm. That's one of those words I've only ever seen written down. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I love hearing how it's pronounced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, you know, it's, it's. I believe it's of a, a Russian origin or what some would call Siberia. Ooh. Um, because that's the region that it happened in. Mm. Uh, right by the Tunguska River. Were any huskies involved? Several, several huskies. Yeah. Tunguskies. That's <laughs> <laughs> a local Tunguskies. Yeah. Um, all right. Now, I want you to uh, take your mind mm. to Siberia right now, right? Okay. To, the si- <sighs> to the Siberian taiga. And I'm talking taiga, T-A-I-G-A, mm. not T-I-G-E-R. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let, you should see the pictures in my mind yeah. swirling. <laughs> taiga is a- uh, I went from a, a big cat- to now, like a, a big question mark. Yeah, no, no. Tigers are are just essentially just subarctic forests. Very large. There's Ooh. some in Canada. There's some in uh, Russia. Very close. As you approach the North Pole, 
very important forests for our what climate. A, what, gum trees? Uh, I, I, you know what? I can't tell Ghost you gums? the types of trees. Probably gums. Maybe. Yeah. I think there's I think there's probably some pine in there. Oh, yeah. Maybe probably some a, cedars. A large, sure. large hedge maze. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's right. Yeah. I mean, every forest is itself kind of a hedge maze. <laughs> that's just <laughs> a bit Is more. the one Dillagong hedge maze there? Yeah, Wong Dilagong. Yeah, that seems Russian. Um, okay, now picture this. You're in Siberia. Okay. Your name is Ivan Aksinov. Mm-hmm. And you're carving up an elk that you just killed. When suddenly you see a flaming orb flying towards you. Whoa. After you come to, you see that you're surrounded by burning, falling trees. As you make your way through the landscape... First to return to camp, then to try to extinguish the fire, you no longer recognize the familiar hunting grounds that you once knew. Everything has been rearranged, mountains shifted, and wetlands unsettled, so that new lakes fill depressions in the ground. Whoa. Now, I want you to picture that you're a woman named Akulina, and you were sleeping in your suede-covered tent when you're awakened by a violent tremor. When you step outside, the forest is on fire. You hear a crashing sound. You see a a dazzling light, and then you faint. When you (laughs) regain consciousness, your possessions are smoldering, and your skin is burned. Oh, possessions smoldering sounds good, but not um, skin burned. (laughs) Sure. But I love that the light, what was it? What was dazzling? Oh, look at that light. I'm dazzled by it. Oh yeah, That's yeah, a dazzling light. Uh, yeah. I will, I will say that I don't know if suede is the best tent covering. <laughs> no, you don't think so. Because what I, I learned on Seinfeld, it doesn't do well in the rain. Sure, but then you're you're in a very remote part of Russia, and therefore there's fewer people there to judge you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and now, uh, thirdly, and possibly finally, you now picture yourself as someone called S. B. Semenov of Vanavara, a town about 60 kilometers south-southeast of the epicenter of the Tunguska event, right? And you're sitting on the porch of a house at the trading station of Vanavara at breakfast time and looking towards the north. You've just raised your axe to hoop a cask. To hoop a cask? To hoop a cask. Yeah, you're about to hoop a cask. You know when you put a hoop around a, like a cask to hold it together, like a barrel or something like that? Oh, yeah. Oh. I don't know what the axe does, but this is what this is what he's saying. And I thought that a- was real jargon. I'm yeah. like, oh, are you speaking actual Russian here? Hoop yeah. a cask. Hoop okay. a cask. Uh, when suddenly in the north above the uh, Tunguska Road, the sky is split in two and high above the forest, the whole northern part of the sky appears to be covered with fire. At that moment, you feel a great heat, as if your shirt had caught fire. This heat comes from the north side. You want to pull off your shirt and throw it away. At that moment, there's a huge bang in the sky and a mighty crash is heard. You're thrown to the ground about five and a half meters away from the porch. And for a moment, you lose consciousness. Your wife runs out and carries you to the hut. The crash is followed by a noise like falling stones from the sky or guns firing, the earth trembles. And when you lay on the ground, you cover your head because you're afraid that stones might hit it. At the moment when the sky opens, a hot wind, as from a cannon, blows past the huts from the north, and you feel its mark on the ground uh, in the form of little paths 
damaged onion plants. Oh, no. No, I was going to eat those. <laughs> Later. Wait, are they damaged in a way that they've been cooked perfectly? That's, that's why they're roasted and they're browned oh to perfection. Later, it turns out that many panes in the windows have been blown out and the iron hasp in the door of the barn has been broken. Not the hasp. No, that was my favorite hasp. Oh, God. First I had the cask, now I've got the hasp. And then when the fire appears, you see uh, Kosolopov, who was working near the window of the house, sitting down on the ground, sees his head with both hands oh, and no. then run into the hut. Kosolopov, are you okay? Oh, I was thinking, uh, first he was working, now he's on the ground. Come on, mate. Yeah. What could have done this? Working hard or hardly working, Kosolopov. <laughs> <laughs> what could have done this? This is there's so many things. There's orbs. There's fire skies. There's the, stones. The mountains literally moved oh, yeah, the that's location. Right. That's the wildest yeah. thing. New lakes. What could have done this? The year is 1908. Ooh. It's 7:13 a.m. on June 30th. Maybe <gasps> it's an end of financial year blowout. <laughs> <laughs> the big sale we've all been waiting for. <laughs> um. What has happened is that nearly 800 square miles of boreal forest have been flattened and entire herds of reindeer have been left in charred piles. Oh. This explosion, its effects were seen and felt around the world. A man 40 miles away was thrown from his chair. (laughs) (laughs) Around the world. 40 miles away, a guy fell from a chair. One distant witness reported seeing pillars of fire with the rising sun. Seismographs in Western Europe recorded seismic waves from a perturbation, suggesting that somebody might have been perturbating. (laughs) I'm perturbed. Oh, man. The worst worst time to get done perturbating. Absolutely. (laughs) Five hours later, after the event, it was registered... Uh, as there was an air blast registered at six different meteorological stations in England, 6,000 kilometers away. Newspapers reported strange glowing clouds, colorful sunsets, and a luminescence in the night. A glowing night reported as far as Europe, allowing people to read newspapers at nighttime from that very glow. The very newspapers that reported that very glow. <laughs> Whoa. Wait, what? how's that? That's a long glow, I guess. It's a very big long glow. Or a glow. very yeah, it, quick it, delivery It, it went boy. for a few days. It went for a few nights. Bloody hell. International newspapers speculated about a possible volcanic explosion, remembering, of course, the eruption of Krakatoa in 1883, you know, only a mere 25 or 26 years earlier. Um, however, the inaccessibility of the region and the instable political situation in Russia prevented further research. Okay, so it wasn't until this event wasn't properly investigated for 19 years. Mm. What is this? An allegation by a famous comedian that he acted inappropriately? (laughs) All right. That was my joke for that. (laughs) Most of the witnesses were uh, indigenous people to the area. uh, Evenki, herders and hunters. Now, from the the beginning, the the Evenki were were inclined to keep the news quiet because they're... uh, like they were nomads and they lived in quite a remote location, which meant that they kind of were able to escape taxation from Russia. 
<laughs> and it was 30th of June. Yeah, that's right. 30th of June. You you want to keep quiet, you know? You don't want you don't want them to find all your paperwork. I mean, and it's a miracle. Like all my receipts have been burned. <laughs> yeah. They can't get me. The paper trail is gone. Right. This is a miracle. Sorry. It was, it was, the explosion was just the sound of a bunch of nomadic people turning on their shredders. That's right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. My reindeer ate my my taxation documents and then a, a huge explosion charred my reindeer. Oh, it's a tale as old as time is there. So, uh, and, and so, and because they were, uh, Russia was in a kind of weird political empire situation, they preferred not to call attention to themselves, right? So they didn't really want, and they were particularly wary of outsiders examining rocks because that meant that people might, you know, there might be discover gold and then there might be a, a gold rush in the area and then push, they'd get pushed off their, off their land. So uh, other Avenki, these are the indigenous people, uh, warned other people not to speak about the explosion who because it might attract dangerous uh, curiosity some event spoke about the event as potentially an act of ogdi a spirit in their animalistic belief system according to one version of the story rival shamans had been fighting with the help of disease bearing spirits and now one of the shamans had called on Ogdi to destroy enemy land and uh, with a flock of iron birds. And this was the source of the fiery orb and the thousands of acres of flattened forest. Iron birds. Yeah. That's I mean, sick. if you're a shaman, that's what you call upon. Yeah. I think. Um, did I say there's like 800 million trees had been knocked down? I don't think so. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I was saving some info for later, but I couldn't help but spill that's it. That's a lot of trees. 800 million trees. Something 800 or 80. I'll wait till I get to the info later. <laughs> and they're all gums. All, yeah. Well, it says boreal. What's boreal mean? Yeah. Well, is that is that anything to do with like Aurora Borealis? You know, is, um, that, is that- It's, you know, it, it just, yeah. Is that, that it is related that? to that because it's just of the- of the northern regions right. uh, relating to characteristic of the climatic zone south of the Arctic, especially the cold temperate region dominated by taiga. Siberian taiga, of course, as you know. Um, gums. Gums. That's right. So taiga trees. Ta- uh, taiga is forest. It's like forest, a type of, that's it's, right. like, it's like tundra. You know, uh, the icy tundra. It's like tundra, but it's its own thing. It's a separate thing. And so, therefore, not tundra. That's so good. Okay. Now, so it wasn't until uh, 1927. So, sorry. So, before when I said that it wasn't investigated properly for 19 years, what I meant to say is that some of the indigenous people did walk over to it and kind of go, that was insane. Yeah. And they saw the <laughs> knockdown trees, right? Uh, but then nobody who was studying it from like a scientific point of view, didn't uh, examine it until 1927. So uh, yeah, 19 years later, right? And there was a guy called, a Soviet scientist called uh, Alex Alexeyevich Kulik. Now Kulik's a big player in this. Uh, the He had just recently gotten interested in uh, meteors because somebody had told him about a meteor, but they also knew the exact location of it. And so he went there and then he just looked in the hole and he found the meteor. And he was like, (laughs) you know what? This has started a lifelong passion for me in finding meteors, right? So he decided that he was going to go investigate this thing. Um, And so in 1927, he went up there, uh, but he realized that this is such a remote region that he's going to need to... uh, use people who have, you know, indigenous knowledge of the area and things like that. Maps were not super helpful. Because that's what happens when 
you have your first meteor and it's that easy. Mm. Someone goes, it's over there. And you look and go, oh, there it is. Yeah. You think they're all going to be that easy. It feels like that's the kind of technique that like casinos have yes. used with like, you know, like like pokies or whatever like that. They they give you a little win. Yeah. a little Or a drug dealer gives you a free sample. Mm. Hey, now you got to pay that's for the next one. You got to go to Siberia yeah. for this next it's, hit. It's the same thing with asteroid hunting. The first <laughs> taste is free. <laughs> And then the rest is you, you got to do it. You know, a lot of you, you got to pay for sometimes with your life. Oh my gosh! Wow! Right. So, um, so Kulik was introduced to some of the indigenous people. Actually, the the uh, a, a relative of uh, the woman I mentioned earlier. Um, he was introduced to this by an, eth- an ethnographer who had been studying uh, some of these people's cultures and and and. Uh, you know, writing down some of their experiences, uh, and so he advi- he he advised Kulik on you know, hey, don't offend the Evenki people. You know, uh, you know they're very wary of outsiders and things like that. Anyway, and so Kulik didn't take any of this advice, and <laughs> he was a real jerk to them, and he was like be like berating them for like taking you know t- taking too long of a break on the journey up there and things like that. And uh, and then they were like, well, you know what? You actually have to pay us more now. And so then, anyway, he had to deal with that. But then once they got to the edge of where the the blast radius, that was, is a thing, a common thing that's come up in the past where yeah. people with like very specific knowledge that someone's after yeah. is ignored. Yeah, and they're annoyed by them even trying to give it. Yeah, <laughs> like- I was thinking about the Burke and Wills. I think it was Burke who they're Aboriginal Australians who were trying to help. Him, he's struggling. He's dying of starvation. They're trying to help him, and he—I think it was him or one of the others—shot over their head to scare him away. <laughs> Just shot it, like man, okay. trying to save your life mm. or whatever. Yeah, you—you you, you look like you're not doing <laughs> well, buddy. Away! Get away from <laughs> Come me! Come on! I've looked up because uh, there'll be some tree heads out there. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. Uh, what do you call tree people? Tree people. Uh. Arborists? Arborists. There'll be yeah. some arbor heads out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, Siberian larch is uh, coming up as the most common tree in Siberia. Right. But I'm also seeing Siberian fir, Siberian uh, spruce, Scots pine, aspen, and other things as well. But, yeah, the fact that three of them have Siberian in, the, uh, in their name yeah. makes me confident that they're from the region. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you weren't afraid to say that out loud, you know? Yeah, I wasn't. But we'll edit it out if yeah. it does make me sound foolish. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. If any Arbor heads are listening and they're mm. like, that's wrong, just edit it out of your memory. Yeah, yeah. What Save you, us the trouble. What is the top of a tree called? Is that called like a- It's not called the crest of a tree or something, is it? I don't know. Anyway, I thought that- It forms a canopy, maybe? Yeah. Is that part of it? Yeah, I was just trying to find another word for uh, Arbor head that's like, oh, the can- the, You know, the canopy- Tree top. The tree top. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um- <laughs> they're very literal, these people. Siberian <laughs> <Yeah>. tree, tree top. <laughs> and so- Kulik made it to the edge with with the uh, with the Evenki people, uh, and you know, and their herd of reindeer uh, that was hauling their provisions. And then they were like, "Well, we're not going any further. This area is obviously cursed." So he was just edging to the side. He was edging, edging to the yeah. They the, were edging him closer, closer and closer. To the he orifice. might have been edging edging himself, <laughs> yeah. And then, but with their help, okay, under their supervision. And then when he saw it, he said, "By the." Uh, at first sight, the trees, the entire large forest in the mountains had tumbled onto the ground in solid rows, right? The Evenki refused to continue in, uh, to the epicenter, which they considered dangerous and perhaps cursed and surely due to Odgi's anger, right? So Kulik then 
he knew he wouldn't be able to survive without them. So he turned back and then he had to return later on with a group of non-indigenous people who would firstly do everything that he said and uh, he would be able to venture further. And so, so then on his uh, second closer inspection, Kulik saw that the fallen trees were all oriented outwards from a central point. Ooh. Right. Perhaps this was the place that the meteor had hit. He thought this, Search was particularly difficult because he, you know, he'd he'd obviously ignored the advice about uh, how how little game that there was in the area, you know, uh, you know, because of the destruction of the forest. And so, uh, while they were out there trying to search the area, they were having to survive largely on the stems of herbs because there were no uh, beasts to, to 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 kill, hunt. Siberian herbs. It says here Siberian herbs. Yeah. 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 Wow. So we're what are we thinking here? Siberian spruce mint, yeah, maybe Siberian spruce Siberian mint, mint yeah. Siberian coriander, Siberian rosemary, <laughs> Siberian rosemary. Imagine that, just eating a twig of rosemary. You gotta eat a lot to you know get your days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so apparently this was you know this wasn't necessarily a very good time. Uh, apparently he may have had to resort to Siberian time. <laughs> he may have even had to uh, resort to eating his own horse, Siberian horse. <laughs> Well, Siberian that, eat. I mean, that's Siberian taking horse. us back to Birkin Wills again. He had to eat his favorite horse. I mean, it's it's not a great solution, is it? No, but but you got to put the the rosemary on something. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is there? If only there was a way you could eat a bit of the horse. Yes, you know, and the the horse still kind of be in you know like friends with you. Yeah, and and still be able to carry a load. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, if you took a bit off each foot. So you kept it. That seems like the yeah. worst bit to take a bit of. <laughs> a bit of eat, but then they're at the same height because you take one whole leg. Mm. Obviously, it's harder for them to move around. But if they're, if you just, you know, an inch a day. Yeah. Well, I reckon if you maybe, you know, because have you ever seen like people like carving like cow hoofs or or horse yeah, hooves or whatever yeah. like that? That stuff is basically like fingernail or something like that, right? Because I think uh, <laughs> it's, it's just keratin. Yeah, yeah, it is. So it's just because I think the horses' hooves they hooves. originally had toes yeah and it's just it's evolved so it's one big toenail basically yeah, it's just they're it's, it's just they're, they're standing on their toe did yeah. it evolve because people were eating their toes that's yeah, right yeah yeah somebody already thought of what you were saying <laughs> they ate all the toes and they're like, oh, that's all the toes we can eat <laughs> and then suddenly we were left with one bloody four-toed horse <laughs> a freak horse with four toes yeah um so uh but anyway he wasn't able to find uh, an impact zone. He wasn't able to find a crater. Uh, but what he did notice is that directly under what the, he believed was the uh, blast's epicenter, all the trees were still standing up. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So there'd been like a blast. The bit around it was okay, but then there was like a blast. Yeah. Zone I mean, it wasn't it, like a ring. It wasn't entirely okay. All the branches had been like stripped off of them. Right, but they uh, the, the the trees w- were still standing. So these are all dead. So it's like they've all been paused in time. That- yeah. Well, I mean, I think the standing ones might still be alive, but everything else has been knocked down. And yeah. is, you know, even or- in the near twenty years, nothing. It's just yeah. still dead. Because you picture like Australian bush fire mm. areas. Yeah. The, the next season there'll be regrowth and it'll change. So nineteen years, it would look totally different. But yeah. is, is this still looking pretty similar to how it was at the time? Well. I, I assume so. I mean, I know from were my, you not there? My my drive to my drive to Tathra because uh, you know there was fires there around that area uh, in 2019, uh, sort of along the coastal road there, and there was some in Tathra in 2017 or 14. I can't remember exactly, but 
you do see that the like the trees get completely burnt like that, but then you get that weird thing where like the leaves start growing it right out of the trunk. Yeah, you know. And so I think also the trees were burnt in this circumstance oh, as well. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So that was I don't know. I, so so very you, different climate, I guess, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this would have been summer, so at least it wouldn't have been like frozen over in the same kind of way. Um, but. I, I you know what I don't really know exactly what the what the the subarctic looks like in you know early uh, at the end of June as uh, as you're about to do and your you're a Canadian and I'm a Canadian and I've spent a lot of time in Sy- Siberia therefore <laughs> <laughs> on well, the other can, side of the world then you oh no it's Alaska you can see Alaska Russia yeah across the that's true yeah, yeah 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 but you know Alaska feels very close to Canada well, I think it in a lot of ways it yeah it borders so really you Canada. know and since Alaska is only a short ocean away from siberia and i'm only a short alaska away from being able to look at that short ocean but you it's basically next door i wasn't saying because you said (laughs) you didn't say siberian you said sub sub arctic yeah isn't that what canada is but well yeah some parts of canada Canada, yeah yeah some parts of canada are actual arctic as well i'll I'll wait for (laughs) the most of the north pole i think is in canada it's part of canada i think most of the North Pole, like no, like the no- North, like yeah, that kind of like Arctic, the Arctic, yeah, the circle. Arctic area. I'm not sure exactly. Where you got the, it. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, that's right. I think oh, the really? North Pole, like you know what I meant, like you know, like, it's like it's like calling, uh, you know, a fridge by you know its its brand name. As a side, I don't it's know. By calling you, tissues Kleenex. What are you, know you talking I mean? about? That's why I, I call the Arctic North Pole. <laughs> <laughs> But not you Kleenex. Know, hey, not Kleenex. But it does look like a Kleenex <laughs> oh, from afar. Yeah, it's true. Similar yeah. hue. Yeah, very similar hue. So, yeah. So, all the limbs from these trees and, and bark had been stripped away. They looked like a forest of telephone poles. Such debranching requires fast-moving shockwaves that break off a tree's branches before the branch can transfer the impact momentum to the tree's stem. Oh. You know what that means? Yeah, you get that? So, like, as in, like... If I was to try to push on your arm, right? Let's say you extend your arm and I was to push on your arm, that would eventually push you. Yeah. Right? But if I was to push on your arm so fast that it just clean snapped your arm off. Like hit by a train or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, let's say a passing, like a giant bullet. <laughs> <laughs> like a really big bullet. You know, let's like say- Like a, a steel bird. Like a some kind of steel bird. Exactly. <laughs> sent by a shaman, you know, with a gun. Um, now the, now these cold and malnourished Soviet scientists on Kulik's expedition, meanwhile, they were starting to descend into a drunken brawls and affairs with locals and, and, uh, you know, one member of the team carved a poem into the tree at the epicenter, you know, oh, it said, oh, uh, Will that's, yeah, that's what you do. That's a brawl. Yeah. It, <laughs> I've never been in a, in a pub brawl that hasn't had someone stop and carve a poem into a tree. <laughs> I mean, it's it's that you know that's the it's the eight mile of its day. Yeah, you know you're right. You're you're spitting rhymes <laughs> onto a tree, you know, with a knife. And are you doing or are you dictating? Like you're rapping, and someone's like, "Slow down!" What was that last bit? Hang yeah. On. Well, you know, it's so hard to come up with a rhyme whilst you're speaking. Mm. So you may as well start carving, and then by the time <laughs> you finish one, you know, uh, line A, you'll make might even be able to come up with the rhyme. Yes. For, for, that's you know? the kind of freestyling I could do. Yeah. One letter at a time. Plus, it's Whoa, an- how's he come up with this? Exactly. And so here it says, uh, in vain, Kulik, you wander. In vain, you tear out the, s- the, the, sh- sh- the, the shfagum. Mm. 
I think that's like moss and stuff right. like that, oh, right? Because yeah, you know they're digging, nasty. They're, yeah, they're digging underground to try to find any you know a meteor material. You will not see a me- meteor. Now they're disparaging him. You can huh. see that. You know they don't have they don't believe in him, and you will leave the taiga in shame. Well, uh, this disgruntled investigator and another colleague a member of the Communist Party, started to denounce Kulik, who wouldn't share his chocolate or coffee with his team. Oh, right? Okay. So they, they reported him to the authorities, because I guess if you're communist, you got to share everything. Yeah. Right? The good times and the bad. <laughs> yeah. And so then he, Kulik had to defend himself and uh, because some colleagues spoke up for him, but he had to spend several months in a sanatorium to recover from the stress <laughs> of this denunciation. And uh, and then and that and the all the health effects that he uh, he had to deal with from all these expeditions where he was finding almost nothing. Six um, months of eating moss, eating moss, eating and a chocolate lot of- and coffee. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. hang and on si- a second. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and Siberian rosemary. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, yeah, it sounds. What if I was not expecting it to go here? Drunken mm. brawls, affairs with locals. Yeah, poems being written, denouncing the leader. Yeah, because you just remember, like, that in the end, it's just, like, one guy who's like, I'm going to go investigate this. And then he would raise some funding. Apparently, he was very good at raising funding for for these kinds of expeditions. So, it says here, like, that, like, his greatest public relation coup was his decision to recruit the tabloid press to write alarmist articles about the prospect of him dying in the wilderness, you know, unless he received money for the research, you know. And so, he, he would sort of paint himself as this great hero who was going there, a hero scholar who was going there and and making sure, you know, the, the, he created stories about bandits who were after him and that he was there to figure out what this thing was. And it, and it inspired a children's board game called Taiga for a Meteorite, which went on sale in 1929. And the same year, a documentary about the expedition was released. So, like, he was, he was you know... It's good all, salesman. All these people who are, like, leaders in their, their field. Like, I find it's like, it's, I, you have to look at everybody who's successful with some suspicion. Because in order to be super successful and popular, you just have to have that weird fucked thing inside you that need, like, that is capable of asking for it you know like <laughs> and really like pushing beyond the limits that most people aren't willing to and i think there's, there's a weird drive that i feel like is is a little bit ugly that makes people anyway whatever sorry that's my own i'm you know, that's my own notes um but yeah he's like a pr man he mm. maybe he doesn't have that many scruples would you say he's I would say he is Low on completely without scruple. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I think is the most efficient way I could put that. And he's like, he's telling people like, without the funds, I'll die. So he's like being like, I mean, the blood will be on your your hands. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah. If you're happy to live with my death, exactly. Without your money, I'm, I'll, thing I'll, I'm choosing fine. to go. On. That's fine. I obviously I have to go. Mm, without your to- support, that's fine. But and so after all that, right? Uh, the lack of any identifiable impact site. He was. He explained away by saying it was just. Oh, the ground was too swampy. Mm. Right. It was too <laughs> soft to preserve a crater. Gotcha. Right? The swamp ate my crater. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Tell that to the bloody tax office. Um, and then, so because there was no physical, you know, despite there being no physical evidence, Kulik still called the event the Fliminova uh, the, the the Fliminovo meteorite. And that's why we all call it that from, uh, <laughs> from, that, of it. Yeah, from, from that day on. 
Um, now, after all his uh, expeditions, uh, in obviously, you know, in 1941, there were some uh, uh, some quite big bombs that were dropped on Japan, some nuclear ones. That started to uh, trigger some people's minds going, oh, those blasts. And you're looking at the blast radius and everything like that. That's very similar to the kind of blast that there was at uh, Tunguska. So maybe it was a nuclear blast of some sort, right? And so that's kind of started more uh, speculation about what could have happened, right? Because, you know, I mean, that was a, it was a huge area. It was like, you know, like something like 50 kilometers by 70 kilometers was the, was the, the radius of like, that's a tremendous amount of force <laughs> to knock, to knock that many trees over. That's so, so big. So people want, were speculating. And so um, one of their, uh, inspirations was a, a short story by an engineer called Alexander Kazantsev. And he, as he brooded over the description of one of the explosions in J- Japan, he realized that it reminded him of the Tunguska event. Uh, he said, a blinding sphere, brighter than the sun, a fiery column that pierced the clouds, a dark mushroom about a, a cloud above it, the roars of thunder heard for hundreds of kilometers, the earthquakes. You know, what if th- this had been an, at- uh, an atomic explosion? What if it had been caused by a nuclear-powered alien spacecraft? Oh, oh yeah! I'm so glad you said it. I wasn't sure if I'd spoil it by guessing that. Because that's Man. what I've been thinking the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course. I mean, you know, we don't know. Like, you know, especially at this time, we don't know how far away. I mean, we probably know how far away the stars are to a certain extent. But we don't mm. know how difficult traveling through the the universe might be. We've estimated, but we've never been able to go out with one of those sticks with a circle on it where you roll it along. Oh, and that's it makes right. a click every meter. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the only difficult thing is that you've got to pave space yes. in order to have something to roll the stick on. With good intentions. With good intentions. so this around this time now in the 1940s was when suddenly it it became like speculation time right everybody really started it became much more popular and and so and then they also opened up the area to foreigners so that they could and made it more easy uh, easier for people to 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 go there and visit it and so they could investigate themselves they build like a theme park there you know, yeah, the no crater theme park or whatever like that. The knockdown tree. Oh, come lay down like a knockdown tree. Yes. Have a nap on one of these horizontal trees. Um, so, but, but then like the first group to go was like a group from Japan who viewed the site not as evidence of extraterrestrial life, but as a, a graveyard of their ancestors. They believed that several millennia ago, a Japanese society discovered the secrets of nuclear power and spaceflight. When they tried to come back to Earth, they crashed at Tunguska. Visiting the site was a way of honoring these uh, lost ancestors and perhaps reuniting them with some way. So straight away, it becomes like a just a a place for kooky ideas, you know. How many people were in on that? Um, was that like a lot of people? Is that one guy who's just written a it, a story it, and it, forgotten he he made it up? It and- says a group, so I would say more Jeez, than two. You know, it could is, be three. I would say maybe a minibus worth. That's that is a that's a wild tale. Yeah, and I, I and don't, I'm all in on it. And, and knowing yeah. that they were Japanese, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, but I, you know, also I, I just. I just want to make sure I don't know if the minibus was invented at that stage in 1941. <laughs> I think it probably just had regular sized buses at the time. So I apologize for if that seemed uh, inconsistent. So then this began the, yeah, 
the 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 speculation wheels a turning, right? Some physicists propose that maybe a a small black hole collided with uh, our planet and passed through the Earth, but like a very small black hole. What, what, <laughs> very like a, small, like a pinprick. Yeah. Well, genuinely, like uh, there's this unproven uh, concept called a primordial black hole, which we're not. They weren't cre- the idea is that they weren't created by suns collapsing, but they were created in the very f- first moments of the Big Bang, and it was just matter was there was so much energy and matter was packed so tightly together that it created these things that could have been like Planck length, which is the smallest length anything could be, right? So like you know, way smaller than in like you know an, an electron or anything like that, right? Like it's like thinking it's like the pixel size of the universe, <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, and the, the idea that there could be these things that exist, but that fly through the universe and some, you know, the, the speculation would be that these could be things that maybe seeded supermassive black, black holes that exist in, in the universe now, or, you know, but that they could be flying around a high energy and just like pass through earth. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, you'd think that there would be an exit wound, mm. uh, yeah. if it had done that. Unless it's lodged in the, in uh, the core. Yeah. It might've mm. got lodged in a, got in, <laughs> in the earth's rib cage. That's right. Yeah. But then it wouldn't that. How, cause us all to collapse into yeah, it. I'm you get sure. infected. You get infected. That's right. You get mm. uh, you get uh, bacteria. <laughs> yeah, moon so. moon bacteria. Space bacteria. Yeah. Maybe not moon. But that's when maybe like some ancient Japanese people probably worked on a solution. That's true. And some sort of time travel. And they would have so. stopped that. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. right. Absolutely. I, I had, I'm sorry. I didn't see that in my thing. But I haven't done that much research. Were you about to ask a question? Well, no. I was, yeah, I was just wondering if. So you said tree people are arborists. Yeah. And uh, the northern area are, <laughs> are arboreal. Uh, so would a northern tree expert be a boreal arborist? I think so. Yeah. That's one of the most satisfying things to mm, say. Yeah. <laughs> arboreal arborist. Arboreal yeah. arborist. I'm an arboreal arborist. What do you do? Nice to meet you. I'm an arboreal arborist. No, I'm Alistair Arboreal Arborist Trombley Birchall. Well, I mean, I would get rid of the Trombley then. Oh, arboreal yeah. bar- Arborist Birchall. <laughs> You'd have to. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you can't. And Birchall, Birch is a type of tree. Oh, my, oh God. my God. Can you be Arboreal Arborist I'm Birchall? pretty sure Trombley is a reference to a tree as well. Trombley. Are you a origin. tree man? I'm, I mean, I'm a double tree man. It's found. It's from Normandy. Uh, I think uh, you should change your name to Arbostair. Arbostair Trombley Birchall. That's a fucking good idea. Yeah. I mean, people are already upset by the spelling of my name. Anyway. And uh, so they should be. <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, I'll, I'll just go through some. AJ, if you need to cut a lot of this, I'm, you feel free to. I'm so sorry if this is uh, dragging on. Um, has this been gone too, too long already? No. No? No way. I mean, last week we did six hours. Okay, yeah, You're 43 minutes in. You're all good. All right. Well, I'll just- When are we going to get onto the the main topic? The main topic? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'll I'll, I'll basically- I will describe exactly what happened, or as as far as we know, at the end there. Is this a mystery topic? Oh, don't tell me. I'm treating it like a mystery topic. I really- I I want a definitive answer by the end. I mean, I want to put my money on something. Early on, I'm thinking tiny black hole. Okay. Yeah. Early on, I'm thinking uh, Japanese people in a minibus. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the people on the minibus that actually did it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's their cover story. Yeah. It was actually us. We came back to. We always a criminal always returns to the scene of the yeah, crime. That's right. So roughly forty years later, and they often keep like little keepsakes from yeah. their crimes. So yes. if you look in their house, you probably find a meteor. That's yeah, or a or, tiny black hole. Yeah, yeah. or or both. 
or a minibus. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Swap that for evidence. So another another theory, of course, was that um, you know uh, Nikola Tesla was working on his um, <laughs> yes wireless transmission uh, device uh, that could also be used as a weapon that would uh, you know uh, be able to eliminate armies, full armies. And uh, and that somebody was doing some expedition in uh, the Arctic, that may be the first expedition to the Arctic. So he decided to, uh, what he was going to do is just test it out over the Arctic. And I think he sent the guy a message, the explorer, and uh, and said, uh, check out the sky. Just, uh, just a note. And he said, what should I check out for? He goes, you'll know it when you see it. Like that, <laughs> like that and he was going to create from wherever he was, right, uh, some light in the sky and... Uh, but he missed and he accidentally got it over Siberia and uh, created, and it was more powerful than he thought. And it created <laughs> the, the uh, thing. So that's always the way it's, well, that's right. It's so hard when you're, you know, when you're testing your, the, your first uh, wireless electrical death ray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I don't know. Honestly, those who haven't had a death ray go wrong, cast the first stone. That's right. Cast the first <laughs> electrical beam. <laughs> Um, cast the first iron bird. Um, now, of course, it could have been antimatter. Some people suggest it was antimatter because of, of the, the nuclear type blast that, you know, I think when antimatter and matter uh, touch each other, I think they, they cancel each other out and would release a lot of energy. Maybe all of the ener- all of the thing that was once matter would now be energy. You're saying that it doesn't matter anymore. That's right. I had that exactly. And I had that exact line in my bit. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. It matters. Universe. It doesn't matter. It no. matters. It yeah. doesn't matter. I mean... If I if if I could come up with it and you could come up with it, anybody can come up with it. We're, I mean, we're the two worst people in the world. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what show was that from? I love that bit. Uh, it was from a very early. It might have been from the, the I- or it might have been from. Uh, uh, oh, what's this one where I had my uh, success, success arms. arms? Could have been one of my stand-up shows called Success Arms, or the. I was. I think the- you. I, I saw you do it at the, in one of the forum rooms. Mm, yeah, that's where I remember doing it the most. And you, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's right. It's not a miracle. It's boring. Yeah, yeah. It's not amazing. Isn't life amazing? No, it's not amazing. It's boring. It's yeah. boring. These are some I'm great gonna- lines out of context for the yeah, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do that bit again one day. I'll do it for a bloody it TikTok. It matters. It doesn't matter. It matters. I think I learned primordial soup mm. that day as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love I love soup. I'm a big soup guy. Winter. If- great winter meal. Al, is this anything, right? Yeah. You're talking about a primordial black hole. Yeah. Short, a primordial black hole short, shortened down to bowl, black hole bowl. Black. Primordial soup goes in the primordial bowl. That's really good. That's really- Do you think <laughs> this could all mean something? Yeah. But I mean, could we also condense <laughs> primordial soup into soup? Soup? Yeah. Soup so, oh, in, the- in, the, in the bowl. In the bowl. <laughs> soup in the bowl. There you go. Oh, there we go. Does that work? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> other theories were that, uh, you know- I mean, you don't need any other theories. Yeah. Got the right one. Okay. But other wacko theories. Let's hear some wacko ones. Yeah, let's hear some wacko ones. We assume it's the soup in the bowl, but- (laughs) Well, one was in the the 60s were earthbound phenomena. So, not coming from space, but coming from the earth itself. Oh, Uh, an inside job. Verna shots. Verna shots, which are named after author- Verna Derna. That's right. Really? Uh, Jules Verne. Jules Verne. Um, are there speculative magma gas reactions that violently erupt from underground? 
right? And so instead, the idea would be that you know maybe it comes from the uh, you know from the from the Siberian you know permafrost or something like that. A big bubble of gas emerges and just combusts, and somehow uh-huh. that would have created um, created this blast. That seems kind of feasible to me. Yeah, yeah. Is that feasible? I mean, it could be, fe- but then also that it would be pretty weird that there would be a center, that area where there would be no trees knocked down or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Let me explain that bit. But I feel like nothing explains that bit so far. Yeah, you're right. All of them are blasts. You know, it's almost like I'm purposefully avoiding the the true solution so that I can tell you at the end. Oh, yeah. God. God, he's good. Why? Yeah. Um, then then we got, uh, we also got... Uh, some ooh, a recent study, and this is you know, there's so many studies on, on on this stuff. A lot of them are you know bullshit. Some people who are like, oh, this we think this lake might have been a crater, and then we like we looked under there, and a lot of the stuff is not more than a hundred years old, like that. Like a lot of the silt there is is, is less than a hundred years old. Yeah, that could be that. And then other people go and check, and they go, we found some stuff that's older than a hundred years old. And they go, yeah, but then we went back and we found some stuff that was less than a hundred years old. But we like saw a, there was a duck on the surface, and we asked, how old are you? Yeah. And the duck said, I'm only two. And two years old? Now that was after the event. <laughs> hmm? So. Um, and then, so then there's another one where people, uh, you know, this is uh, people suggesting that uh, they were using a computer simulation because there's the possibility that it could be a comet, right? Now, you know the difference between a comet and an asteroid. One's a reindeer. That's right. <laughs> That's right. There's, actually, are both called reindeers? No, no, no. Not oh. asteroid. No, no. Asteroid. <laughs> on Prancer. On, 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 on Asteroid. Asteroid. <laughs> Um, no, or meteor, what? meteor. Sorry, yeah, meteor. A meteor will land. A comet will get in an orbit, right, and keep swirling past or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Asteroid will keep going around. Asteroid will keep going. Keep keep going. A meteor will come into Earth, and comet will also can also come into Earth. Ah. But a comet is is made out of like ice and gas and stuff like that. So people thought that maybe that explains why there's no crater, right? Ah. Because as it comes in, of course, it starts to heat up, and uh, all that stuff would evaporate. And then suddenly you're like, bada bing, bada boom, no crater, like that. But so Halley's comet one day will possibly land. It'll burn up or land somewhere with it. Well, I mean that's a possibility. I don't think it will come. It will not on Earth. Intersect with pretty unlikely. But I think anything like Earth might collide with something at some point. Right. right? It's just it depends on how much time. I think of us as anchored, but nothing's really like we're moving around the sun, Mm -hmm. and the sun and the whole solar system is moving itself through through space as well. There is no fixed point in the universe. So don't call me lazy again, okay? I'm not lying in bed. I'm on a big journey. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually moving very fast. I'm moving through space, Is if it, you don't mind. Are we going like 30,000 kilometers an hour around the sun? Yeah. Something like that. Isn't that enough? Yeah. It seems like enough. <laughs> you want me to do that and wash my pants? Yeah. Jesus Christ. And do the dishes and directly do the after, dishes. Come on. after I've cooked a meal. No, 10,000 steps seems pretty pointless. <laughs> That's right. Gotta do that every That's fucking nothing. day. Especially if you're walking in the wrong direction. That's probably you'd, <laughs> you're taken away. That's counterintuitive. Come well, on. Well, these gentlemen here uh, from the Siberian Federal University but in Russia, yeah. If you if you're walking the same way that Earth is traveling, it'll feel like you're walking on one of those travel agents. Oh, yeah. How Nothing. powerful does that I feel? Feel like a god, <laughs> especially if you stare at a distant star at the <laughs> same time. You're like, whoa, I'm really zooming. And you overtake other people. Like, what are you doing out there? Get on the travel agent. <laughs> And then, but you got, or you're, or you're with your kid, and your kid's always going on the on the opposite way to the thing. You <laughs> come, go, on, come on, kid. You're blocking up traffic. <laughs> They've caught our flight. Uh, 
Anyway, they simulated uh, comets, you know, that are mostly made out of ice coming in to Earth, even simulating ones that were up to like 200 meters wide, traveling at a speed of like 12 miles. You know, like 20 kilometers per second. And the simulation revealed that the friction with the atmosphere heated these objects to such a point that, um, you know, they would have vaporized just way too early in the thing to be able to. Even if it's huge and going really fast. Even if it's huge and going really fast. And so. Dang. Um, and then other people explain the lack of crater by saying, well, uh, if there's no crater on the ground, it could be that the asteroid didn't actually hit Earth, but just entered Earth's atmosphere over Siberia and then just continued passing westwards. Oh, I did a bit of a skim. Yeah, like a little skim, oh. like a little rock, you know, yeah. off the top like that. <laughs> like that. And just so, so, but, but, you know, all that pressure still on the atmosphere uh, would have created this kind of like hot air burst, which would have just, you know, ended up with kind of an explosion that flat flattened trees in Siberia, leaving behind a plume of dust. But then it's just a drive-by, <laughs> you know, yeah, just yeah. a little drive-by. They kept going. Yeah, exactly. And then just went on their wet, merry way. And then they found the asteroid, like, burnt out in an alleyway. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you came down the road. Yeah, graffiti. <laughs> <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Um, but I think one of my favorite ones, the favorite theory, is that in 1964, in March, uh, science writers, uh, Altov and uh, Zura Viova, Vivova, Viova, <laughs> described... It's an incredible name, that one. Uh, <laughs> they described uh, what they think happened is that in 1883, the Krakatoa volcano erupted. Mm-hmm which emitted a large flux of radio waves into space, which uh, then intelligent beings on a planet orbiting uh, 61 Cygni, it's about, I think, uh, something like uh, 
3.4 parsecs away from here. If you, if you were wondering, that's one of the stars out in space, right? right. Uh, it was uh, interpreted. They they so intelligent beings on that planet or on a planet orbiting that star interpreted the radio signals as a message from Earth. They tried to answer us by directing a laser beam at Earth. <laughs> And unfortunately, the laser was too strong. Mm. It's, a, it's your Tesla problem again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and turned... Oh, oh they're communicating with mm-hmm. this volcano. Better laser back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Turned into... And so, yeah, and it turned matter. Uh, wait, it was too strong and turned into matter when it hit the atmosphere high over the Tunguska River Basin. So, the laser was so powerful. You know, I don't know if you know this, but in a, uh, a nuclear blast, uh, matter can turn into energy. But I guess they're suggesting that Sometimes energy can turn into matter as well, yeah. uh, and you know, and then cause a big blast like that. And they, these were two scientists that came up with this. Um, what science what writers? Okay, <laughs> so they were writing about a scientific thing. Yeah, is yeah. the fiction silent there? Okay, yeah, it's a silent science. Silent science fiction. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so, yes, that doesn't. That I mean. It just feels like that's a hard one to prove. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but you were right, you know, as well, thinking like, if somebody's communicating with you with a volcano, you think, use a volcano to communicate back. back. That's Mm. strange. You know, I like the idea of somebody kind of like using it like a volcano, like a telegraph thing. (laughs) Like that, but it's... Like that, as and, a kind and of who thing. knows what did we accidentally say to them? That's right. Was it an offensive volcano? Well, no, yeah, who knows? Just, oh, imagine that we volcanoed up some kind of alien slur. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that's well, that's why you laser back. Imagine it's though a- that <laughs> those aliens came down here and and uh, the U.S. Army went mm. and tried to take them down. They're like, oh, they're happy to see us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're shooting all these beautiful messages yeah. at us. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess we want to we want to know what probably actually happened as far as science knows to this point right yeah i mean yeah. i've heard so many great theories first i thought underneath the the ground yeah but now i'm thinking laser yeah now you're thinking this definitely yeah laser. volcano well laser. which one of the options will it be Ooh. Ooh. What well did, that felt like the you know when you go the the gas bubble under the uh, it's mm. like when you're you're wearing board shorts into a pool yeah and you the shorts like take up a bunch of air and they bubble up and then mm. you release. There's, maybe it was like that. It's an embarrassing Maybe thing. an alien yeah. went for us. One of those aliens who can swim in the earth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we like, have to like swim in water. But some kind of mole, giant mole person. Yeah, mole alien. Yeah. Um, and they Siberian went- mole Siberian mole alien. Siberian mole alien went uh, swimming in the earth with their bodies on mm. and, uh, yeah, collected a- <clears throat> A ball of gas. Absolutely. But they were also smoking a doob. That's right. (laughs) And when the gas that they'd collected in their bodies popped out the top, the joint uh, sparked the explosion. Man, it's worth it. You got to be careful in these tigers. But and they were sort of leaning up on the edge of the the earth pool, mm. and in that area they protected a bunch of trees that didn't fall. That's right. That's where they were resting their yeah. chin and their arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, on that area. And, they, and then, but then they kind of like, I don't know, their fingers fell through, and then they knocked all the branches yes. off of the uh, off of the things. Yeah. So well, that I think that is as good of a theory as, as the alien sending a message. Is it too late to change my guess? <laughs> It's not too late. It's never too late. I'm gonna like that. Well, let's let's go with what like roughly like NASA's guess and stuff is, right? Um, what they believe is that on this day in uh, June 30th, 7:06 a.m. roughly, mm-hmm. uh, 1908, 
uh, a stony meteor about 50 to 60 meters across exploded at an altitude of five to 10 kilometers up. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, over a sparsely populated forest in Siberia, which we now know as Taiga. Um, the resulting shockwave flattened an estimated 80 million trees, not 800 million, 80 million. Still a Thank lot, God. I would say. We just saved 720 you know? million trees. <laughs> I mean, that's a great result. 800 million. That would be unforgivable. Mm. <laughs> um, so over an area of, I've said it in square miles before, but let's say it in kilometers now, 2,150 square kilometers. That's so big. That's a yeah. big area. That's a big area, right? Now, the the blast area, people have said that it looked like a giant, the shape was kind of like a giant butterfly. It was about 70 kilometers wide and 55 kilometers long. And the blast was like something like the the equivalent of like 15 megatons, megatons. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you say tons or tons, but I say tons. tons. I say both. Ton up. Ton up. That now, sounds big. Yeah. So none of these numbers are computing no, with me at all. No, no, I'm but so sorry. Say, no, I'm just saying they're so big that I, they're big. They're almost meaningless. They're really to me. big. I, I should explain. That's like roughly how many MCGs? It's yeah. I was a, I was genuinely about to go. It's oh, about it's a, no, no. I was about to go. That's about. 30,000 swimming pools, <laughs> Olympic swimming pools <laughs> worth of dynamite. Whoa. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. Thanks for putting it in the terms. I can understand. So it left no impact crater. Uh, and now why would something like this, ex- why would a rocky thing explode midair? Mm. Right. Because that's kind of what I couldn't understand. Right. So um, so NASA estimates that the, the, the meteor would have entered Earth's atmosphere traveling at about 15 kilometers per second, right? Now, per second. In a school zone. Eh? In, a, in a bloody- <laughs> That's not and, on. And it almost feels safe because you see 40 kilometers. Yeah. Even though that's per hour, you kind of, if you're yeah. driving at 15 kilometers per second, you go, 40 kilometers, yeah. I'm under that. Yeah. Because that's <laughs> what the thing cautious. is saying. I better speed up. Yeah. <laughs> put, me, put your foot down, right? So that's, that's roughly Mach 43. Oh, wow. Right? Or, this is a dumb joke that I've attempted, as I think Biden would say it, 43 times the speed of sound, Mac. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Sorry. See, Um, he refers to people as Mac. I think so. I think he's like, hey, Mac. I think he does say Mac. I I, love Mac. I love that as a thing as well. I've heard, I'm sure I've seen that in like old American movies or something. Yeah. Maybe a trucker would be like, oh, come on, Mac. Yeah, I think- (laughs) Like Biden could have been in those old movies. <laughs> Dave uh, loves or hates this about me. I I uh, get old ad jingles in my head forever. Yeah, love it. Me too. Can I just say, on the record, is loving it. Okay, yeah, it's and, on the record. And you know the one that this is making me think of, the classic Makita. Give me my Makita back, Mac. <laughs> Give me my Makita back, Mac. Now I've got to ask, what is a Makita? Yeah, bow tool. Oh, and, and that's all- okay. And that song was sung by Joe Biden. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, f- I can't quite remember the verse, but it's something like, it's big, it's coarse, it's mine, not yours. Give me my Makita back, Mac. The big and it's coarse beautiful. bit yeah, doesn't yeah. make any sense, but it was something like that. That's a placeholder. Um, Mac, I love that. And Mac, I love- had, <laughs> Mac had stolen one of these tools? Is that what we- Yeah, I yeah, guess so. Some kind of Mac, you know, me them. Give me my Makita back, Mac. <laughs> <laughs> I picture a Macintosh, the Apple. Oh, right. 
You know, it's the, the, the blue. Yeah, uh, now you're saying mm, it, but I was thinking. And- I was thinking that it was a chocolate bar, like a Makita, oh. oh, Chiquito, Chiquito. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, That's now all right. I'm going to get a tiny bit technical here, but okay, all right, here we so, go. so how did one of these things explode? Well, despite moving through the rarefied upper reaches of the atmosphere, where the you know where the atmosphere is pretty sparse, sparse, scarce, it's 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 lighter. sparse sounds right. Yeah, it's not dense, right? <laughs> um, it's going at such a fast speed that it, the the meteor rapidly compresses the air in front of it, right? So then. Uh, it experiences what's known as ram pressure as the air in front of it compresses it. Uh, the temperature starts to rise really quickly in the air in front of it, right? Because it's like you're, you're pushing the air faster than it can move out of the way. So it's just getting really dense and right. together. Is it like when uh, astronauts re-enter the atmosphere? And this is exactly what this thing is doing. It's really entering, hot. except not re-entering. It's entering. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This, this is, is the first, first time. First time that unless we know of. Yeah. Unless the, the meteor's going, I'm coming back home, baby. <laughs> you back. know? I mean, that's I'm the back, case if it's, if it's a bunch of Japanese people on a spaceship, that time-traveling spaceship, because <laughs> yeah. okay. then it is re-entering. Right. Love that we could probably combine a few of those series. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everyone could be right here. Yeah. So then the air starts rising in front of this meteor and it's not due to friction. It's called, it's, it's, it's rather than the, it's the adiabatic process, a diabatic process probably. Uh, so the consequence of many molecules and atoms being forced to occupy a smaller space, ram pressure and the very, yes, hit me, Matt. No. Oh, I thought you were about to say something. All right. <laughs> Sorry, Al. No, it's okay. Ram pressure in the very high temperatures. Well, you're right to think, because I do interrupt. Uh, and you should. In opportune moments all the time. Hey, and this you're is- starting to you're starting to have my thoughts before even I do. Oh yeah, mate. I'm starting to think I should say something. <laughs> Matt should say something. <laughs> so with the ram pressure and the very high temperatures it causes are the reason few meteors make it all the way to the ground. Most simply burn up or are, are ablated into uh, tiny fragments. Larger or more solid meteorites may explode instead. Ah, right. So um, in essence, the meteorite. Uh, the meteor is ripped apart by its own speed, right? This occurs when fine tendrils of superheated air force their way into the cracks and faults of the the meteor's surface, right? The face of it. And once this high pressure plasma is entering into the these gaps, uh, into the meteor's interior, it exerts a tremendous force on the body's internal structure. And this occurs because the superheated air now... Uh, is exerting a force over a much larger area, sort of like when the wind suddenly fills a sail. You know, you hear it kind of go like that. This sudden (laughs) rise in the force is exerted on the meteor, overwhelms the the body's structural integrity, and then it begins to break up. And then the breakup creates more surface area, which makes it break up even faster and creates a blast. Right. And then just rock and shit flies everywhere. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, like, like, you know, even like when you're clicking your fingers- like that, you know, there's that moment beforehand where you're putting the pressure on your thumb mm. like that. And then it's that quick release of all the energy at the same time. So this is not a, like an explosion in the same way a nuclear blast would be an explosion. This is an explosion and it's like a, a huge release of pressure and kinetic energy and, and heat and all that kind of stuff. And it just goes like that. And it would go in all directions like that. But <laughs> and then but uh, the things right below it. This is the thing that we were mentioning about how it's the the force is traveling down, but it's traveling so fast, straight down that it's breaking all the branches off. Oh yes, uh, on stripping the, them off. Yeah, stripping them off before and 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 because it's it's going directly down, uh, sort of parallel with the the tree trunks, the way that they're standing straight up. 
right? It's going vertically down like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not knocking those trees over. So it's all the ones that are kind of hit at a blast angle. Right, as it keeps going. It, yeah, as, as it, it keeps going outwards like that. Is there any way we can use this knowledge for- For good? For good, for, you know, for just maybe uh, to create products that can be sold. Mm, yeah, so, like get, to get food into people's mouths and yeah. stuff like that. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking more like, you know, more mm-hmm. contraptions. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the the technology of just getting a rock really high in the in the air. Yeah, you know, uh, and Maybe then Makita dropping could it could work on this. I think Makita um, could do this. Of, yeah. It could be a good Makita lawnmower Absol- or something. Absolutely, and then you just kind of lift it up, and then I guess you just drop it. Yeah, and then you could you could probably do that. I think we have basically most of the technology available to do that kind of thing. I think these that days. could be really helpful. I mean, we could all if it, if you could use it to feed people as well. That could be good. I don't know if uh, feed people rocks. Yeah, that's true. Feed people blast waves. Um. So yeah, this. So like a lot of that blast would have would have been like moving at hypersonic velocity, as we know. You know, because hypersonic is faster than sonic. Whoa, <laughs> the hedgehog. Um, oh. He travels at the speed of sound, I guess. That's why he's called that, I think. <laughs> That's why. Did you know one of there's characters in that? He's a hedgehog, but there's also one that's an echidna. I didn't know that. Isn't that weird? They're not wow. very fast-moving creatures. No. No. They're real slow. But I guess hedgehogs aren't either, probably. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. No, you're right. Although they, they probably can scuttle a little bit more. I picked one up once. Really? No, that's not true. <laughs> an echidna or a hedgehog? <laughs> well, the first one was in England. We're out at the pub walking home, and the local I was there with goes, hey, look at this. And he picked up this hedgehog and goes, oh, look at this. And it was real freaking cute. It would be so cute. It was so cute. <laughs> wow. I hadn't thought about that in ages. walking home. Yeah, just walking home. Just on the side of the road. Scurrying around. A little English village. It's tremendous. So good. Yeah. Wouldn't do that to an echidna. No, no, no. Too but, much respect for him. But you know, <laughs> but you know, Andy's grandfather used to catch echidnas. Andy Matthews. Andy, yeah, for for his because because he, he worked for the CSR. His grandfather worked for the CSRO, but he was a soil scientist. But his friend was an echidna. He studied echidnas, and he said, "Hey, if you ever you come across an echidna, just tap it on the side, like that, with your foot. Just tap it on the side like that, and you'll put his foot out because he feels like he's going about to lose balance. And then you grab his foot and you put him in a bloody bag." Oh. <laughs> Don't release that information publicly. All right, AJ, cut that out. <laughs> it's like it's like cow tipping, but echidna tipping. Yeah, echidna cap, cap, cap poaching. They're like, oh, I'm, I'm about to fall. Chuck it in the bag. When you say Andy, you mean your co-hosts on Two in the Think Tank. Two in the Think Tank. We haven't mentioned that today. No, I'm so sorry. Your podcast, what is it? You've, you've been going for a long time. Yeah, we've been going for- Since 20, uh, actually, 20, yeah, we, we, we hit 10 years. Time? We hit 10 years uh, just in June, I think. Congratulations. Thank well you done. very much. Yeah, and we're about, we're going to do, well, we will have now done the 400th episode live stream about two days or three days before this is released. And, and people will be able to uh, watch that on- People will be able to part, yeah, watch that on, yeah, on Stupid Old Channel. So go there and see us probably talk for what will be maybe 24 hours, maybe hopefully not longer than that. May, um, will me and Dave be on? Like I would love for you two to be on if you could do that. But but now, obviously, I'm talking to you guys after the date has happened. Yeah, so, unfortunately. So oh, it's, it's, it's actually too late. It. <laughs> if only I had some kind of Japanese spaceship, then I could go back. Okay. And, and I think I'll probably do that and then come back and see you guys. Um Really, finally, I just want to like say like some of this, um, the evidence of why they believe this is also been kind of not necessarily confirmed, but uh, they there was another event in 2013 above uh, <gasps> the first ever Cher- episode of Two in the Think Tank. It was it coincided with it. There was a big blast <laughs> again over Russia, wow. um, possibly due to a wireless sketch idea. <laughs> 
<laughs> misdirected. Yeah, from Tuna Think Tank. Uh, a much smaller uh, meteorite came in over Chelyabinsk in uh, in Russia, but the largest since Tunguska. Mm. Uh, a like there's there's heaps of like dash cam footage of this from 2013, but like lots of people see this huge bright thing in the sky, follow huge trail, and then around 9 a.m. and then not long after, huge shock wave and like windows breaking and stuff like that for like you know like 1500 people were injured uh yeah uh, so this is like this which basically happens in the same way that they think that this tunguska thing occurred right they're like okay this clearly happens in this region of the world mm. but it could also be that um maybe tesla's back baby ah uh, it could also yes. be that so we don't know because I mean you think if he was so good at wireless you know stuff then maybe he would have been able to find a way for him to work without wires you know um, <laughs> he's in the veins, veins he could be in the cloud <laughs> whoa and uh, once every hundred years he's releasing a uh, his death ray well but how long ago was that Icelandic volcano eruption that um, maybe the aliens saw that <gasps> and were like all right oh yeah fine <laughs> Fire up the laser. Yeah. They've done it again. Yeah. That could have been it as well. Oh, yeah. they finally got back to us. They've been sitting by the phone the whole time. Yeah. I mean, you know, you never know. There could be, you know, who's sending the meteorites? Who's sending the meteors? You yeah. Know, there where could are be somebody who's just from? like launching them. Yeah. Right off you go. Like that and just into the, you know, because I mean, if you wanted to do it and if you wanted to sort of damage Earth in a undetectable way, you'd just send something that looks like a rock. Mm. Yeah. Space rock. Yeah. Exactly. That's Space clever. Rock. A stony, you called it before. A stony. A stony, didn't you? Uh, I was saying it was a stony object. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm like, mm, it's a technical term I haven't heard before. A stony. Hey, stony. A stony. <laughs> but the, speaking of stones, if it, this is the correct theory from NASA and it shattered, basically. Exploded. Lots of rock went everywhere. That does sort of go with a lot of the anecdotes of like, the mm. sky was raining rock. Yeah. Yeah. And, but- a lot of the rock as well would have is itself like been dispersed. And so it would have just been like, uh, like, you know, probably broken up into tiny little things, little particles and things like that. And so then it was the blast and then the fires that started, the knocking down of endless trees, the kind of things like that. That would have made a lot of thumping sounds as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and a lot of things getting, yeah. What I, I assume, I don't know how much, but they've still never found any kind of actual rock i think i saw something where they found maybe some particles in trees that were like oh this has got an, an unusually high amount of this material which you normally only find in meteorites and things uh -huh. like that you know some metal um like you know lithium or something right like that. but no yeah. like like bowling ball sized nothing yet bit nothing yet but it was just too swampy you know the mm. swamp yeah. swallows the yeah <laughs> so you know uh but you know this is just NASA nasa's opinion though Oh, okay. So, you know, I mean, they haven't right. said that, but I'm saying that. But but, but where, they've never been right before. What have, yeah, what, have, you know, what do they know? I, I've seen a lot of mistakes that they've made in the past. Uh, going to the moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a big mistake. Yeah, you know, uh, hiring Elon Musk yeah. to, to do all their launches from now on. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But what do you think? Mention, tell us, let us know in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to know if people have theories. I honestly would. But when you described it at the start, mm. it did make me go, holy shit, how is this not the most significant event yeah. to ever happen to mankind? Mm. It is so unbelievable. It is a pretty strange one. And they say that that's something that size is 
on average, probably going to hit Earth about every 300 years. Oh, yeah, we're in the clear. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is about 100 and bit years ago. So, and it just pure luck that it was on a, a relatively uh, unpopulated area. Yeah, I would say that that was luck. Yeah. I mean, some people, you know. Oh, yeah, is that luck? Because I did say before, now thinking about it, I did say, well, there's evidence that these things happen in this area. But, like, yeah, what are the chances that it's Russia or, I don't know, it's the largest country on Earth. But- like this part of Russia gets hit by meteors. Like, mm. why? How does that happen twice in a hundred years in the same place? Yeah, it is odd. I don't know, but it could also be like you know you hear people talk about like why do we have meteors hit us? It's like because we well there are still like asteroid belts out there, and there are per- certain po- times in our orbit where maybe we will go past one, and our gravity will dislodge one you know like dislodge one from from the gravity belt and then it will start moving and maybe pick up the weakest one from the hood exactly <laughs> but it's like the weakest one then comes and attacks us yeah oh great <laughs> you know like a bad lion you yeah know? <laughs> i'll get the little weak baby like oh, that and then you get, you get your ass kicked by <laughs> yeah. the, the baby pride alliance comes before the fall yeah and then you go well luckily it just hurt me on my on one of my four fingers i didn't need because <laughs> we're horses yeah we're horses <laughs> we're horse lines or lion horses. Yes. Um, I mean, I just think this has got nothing to do with this, but imagine that a, car- a carnivorous um, predator horse. Oh, my God. That'd be unstoppable. That. Yeah, that Thank would be Thank God good. they're not carnivorous. That's Thank right. God. I mean, there could have been some and we just we wiped them out. Yeah. A lot of the time we just see that. You know, like- like shouldn't have come at us. Tigers are a bit like that, but they're, you know, I guess you could ride one. It would be like a horse. <laughs> If you, yeah, what what do you think is a horse? Yeah. Something you can ride. <laughs> Something you can ride. <laughs> so do, the only thing this explanation doesn't explain to me. Yeah, tell me this, NASA. Mm-hmm. How did the mountains move? Well, some of the uh, reports, you know, are coming from people, and they're coming from people after you know twenty years and things like that. And so perhaps the landscape could have shifted. You know, trees were falling. I suppose a tree could knock down at least a mound. Yeah. And it could also just like, <laughs> but there was a mound there before. Yeah. And they all came too, right? So they were all basically mm. knocked out by the blast. Yeah. Maybe they fell at a slightly different orientation mm. than what they thought. And the whole landscape's changed. Maybe it looks like the mountains have shifted. Yeah. And also there was seismic activity. Like they, they did see stuff in the ground. Like, you know, a shockwave did go through the ground. I don't know what it takes to move a lot of earth. I don't know what it takes to move a full mountain. Probably too much. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it also depends on what's their definition of a mountain. Mm. Mm. You know, and, you know, you know, when you're speaking to people whose, you know, culture and language is different to yours, uh, interpreting words, you know, it could have been, it was a, a hillock. You know, it was a, mm. it was, is a hillock a small hill? Could have been it. Yeah. Yeah. A hillini? A hillini. You know, a uh, little, little hillito? Hil- <laughs> 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 you know, I'm just saying, you know, translations, we don't know. We I, don't you know, know and also, yeah. I'm reading these things second and third hand from people who've taken it from, I, it was very hard to find the actual, like, documented, exact um, you know, with eyewitness reports. Yeah, it feels like the kind of thing that maybe is uh, possibly exaggerated over time, mm. over decades. It's true. Exactly. Is, have over you generations. Heard of, I was, um, I think it was in a Bill Bryson book I was listening to. Yeah. He, he told this story about uh, there was a, a meteor mm. and uh, this guy was like trying to figure out where where is the crater. Could mm. not figure it out. 
And then eventually they realized when they basically just had a look from a much bigger vantage point, the whole area was the crater. Yeah. It was so big that they were inside the crater looking for a crater. Oh, my God. Earth was the crater. Yeah. So, is it possible that all of Siberia is now a crater? It could be. It could be. Yeah, It, it managed to keep some of the trees up outside of that range yeah. there, but in, in the crater. I mean, it's quite possible. I mean, I think it wasn't until like, uh, you know, 50, 60 years ago that they found the uh, Chicxulub crater, the one that, you know, they think took out the dinosaurs from that impact crater from like that's in the ocean oh, and things right. like that. Like there's, it's hard to find, but you know, the reason why they don't think that there's a crater is because uh, in order to, you know, craters also create a big splash out, you know? And so then you, you should be able to find like soil or rocks or, you know, like if it's a, if it lands in a, in an ocean, you can find seashells and stuff like that, that blast out into areas. I think, you know, that, that's what happened with the Chicxulub one. They found like, ocean creatures out somewhere in inland america you know hundreds of kilometers away and that's why they they, they were like oh well this could be that, from that it's a, bit, a bit wild of, ride bit of a rough way to describe people from florida <laughs> <laughs> sea creatures Is that, or seashells yeah, yeah no, that's good that's fine yeah, a lot of them are wrinkly and old you know like a seashell <laughs> <laughs> i got one final question yeah possibly stupid one that you may have already answered i just missed why is it called the Tunguska event? Uh, it was near the Tunguska River. God. Yeah. He's got an answer for everything. He's, he's answered them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tunguska was just an area thing. A lot of the time, you know, it'd be cool if you could name events like that, like this. It's like the Michael Cool yeah, guy. Yeah, I thought it might be like, you know, some, like one of the scientists came along mm. and like, I'm Johnny Tunguska. Yeah. And this. And welcome <laughs> to <laughs> my <laughs> Welcome to Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get hit. This is, this is. <laughs> Asteroid strike <laughs> to my balls. We didn't. Do we hear what happened to Coolidge or Coolidge? Who's Coolidge? Oh, the scientist, the guy that like, stole chocolate, that hid chocolates from everyone. His name might not have been Coolidge. Oh, Coolidge. Oh, Coolidge. Coolidge. Oh, Coolidge. Um, <laughs> sorry, how would you have possibly known who I was talking about? I'm sorry. Um, well. So he he didn't end up. I mean, he went down in history. Yeah, yeah. That was it. They locked him up in the um, sanatorium for a while because he, he, he stole go, chocolates. He went down. Didn't go up in history. No, he didn't go up in history. Like I, a winner. If you give me one second, but hopefully he's looking down on us now, knowing mm. the truth. Yeah, Tony. he's hanging out with in the flying Japanese minibus. <laughs> God, just so that you know, he served in the Russian military during the Russo-Japanese War. Ooh. Oh, he didn't agree with that. Well, that but that Mini was before. Theory. That was in 904, 1904, 1905. So that was beforehand. Uh, then he did. Then he served with the Russian military during World War One, and then he became an instructor teaching mineral mineralogy. But then in World War Two, he again fought for his country. This time in a paramilitary militia, and he was captured by the German army, and he died in a prisoner of war camp oh, of wow. typhus. So that's fun. Not a a wild sub story about him. It's like, oh, by the way, he was also fought in multiple wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it has a, you know, it has a big impact when you uh, study a big impact mm. like that, you know, and you, you're especially if you're the first person to sort of, you know, actually write it down uh, that you did it. And then you also make a big deal about yourself in the, in the media and things like that. Yeah, yeah. It's how you get yourself inscribed in, uh, into history. And also he looked pretty cool. He had cool round glasses. Here you go. There he is. Oh my God. That guy. He looks Russian. I'll tell him that. I'll yeah. tell you that. That's yeah. 
if that's a, I reckon if you got AI to draw a Russian yeah. man from the olden days, mm-hmm. that's him. Yeah, absolutely. That the AI would find it very difficult to avoid that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the test, actually. Yeah, to find out if they're a computer or not. And he also had a, a crater on the moon named after him, Kulik. Is that ironic? No, How no, ironic! No, it's not ironic. Isn't it ironic? But they're like, well, that's he- ir- Alanis Morissette style yeah. ironic. No, but he couldn't find a crater down here, so we'll name a crater up yeah. there. They finally got his crater. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming here again for Block Al. It's been an absolute pleasure. So people can find your show. Well, I mean, there's what, 300, 400 episodes. Do you think because I mentioned a crater at the end, this is technically an orifice episode? I think it is. Yeah. This is <laughs> I think it is. You can yeah. resist. What are we going to call it? Uh, uh, not a hater for the crater. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, oh, master, get that Tunguska. <laughs> Dave, your turn. <laughs> turn into a porn title. That's how you do your best work. Tunguska. How would you make the Tunguska porn parody? Like t- tonguing Guska's. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Tonguing Gus's car or something. Come. Like yeah, there you go. Tonguing Guska's Gus's come. Okay, there, there we go. go. Is that good? Event. Is that something? Event. <laughs> this is event cinema. <laughs> this is event pornography. Uh, Al, so we'll, uh, yeah, people can find you two in the think tank. They can find me two in the think tank. They can listen to Shusher Guided Meditations if they want. Uh, there was a recent episode put up a month ago and I was going to try to continue. And just, I'll mention it here, but it may not exist by the time this comes out. But I am constantly considering starting the ATB PODCAST, right? The ATB podcast. Right. And which will be. <laughs> <laughs> I had to spell it out of my head. I was like, I that was. Okay. Yep. Right. And which will be a collection of shows that will live under that one umbrella. Um, you know, I think one of them could be uh, the uh, willy nilly silly Billy Camilli. <laughs> right. <laughs> which is where I interview people, but every 15 minutes we have to do a minute where we're in doing silly voices in character and then we go back to And the then we go back to their time. like childhood trauma. Then we go back to their childhood trauma. It's a it's a childhood trauma <laughs> interview show with silly voices. Keep it silly, Billy. <laughs> that sounds like fun. And you know there'll be other shows in there. Possibly, uh, na- the, I love that love those narrow themes podcast. Yeah, right. And it's a it's a show. It's a narrow themed podcast about narrow themed podcasts. Oh, great! <laughs> you know, could you do an episode about primates? I, primates could be the first episode. Great. Yeah, I think uh, it feels like that would be the, the best thing. Could I could I interview you for it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, great. You should also bring back your podcast about uh, the joke that everyone tweets oh, yeah, all the, the time. Oh, the- uh, <laughs> uh, oh, I did do one episode of this, so, so I think I'll bring it back. It's the- uh, a, a group of white guys is called a podcast podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all about- that joke and that concept and what it means to be white and doing podcasts. I think it's all it's it's curious as to whether or not how many of the people who tweet it think mm. they've come up with it. Yeah, that is really interesting. And and if they actually have, because it's mm. like you know, it's a joke that a lot of people could come up with for sure. Mm, absolutely. But it's also it feels like not that many people who would tweet it that often. Yeah. But it would be great to do, you know, little episodes about different people who've tweeted it. And yeah. You maybe in asking them. them if they think that they've come did, up with yeah, it themselves or whether this? they saw it. Yeah. Is that one of yours? Yeah. Because we do have evidence of 3,000 people <laughs> tweeting it before you. But mm. Yeah. 
so that kind of stuff you know there'll be all sorts of kind of episodes i might even do an episode uh, uh, a podcast on there called uh, the collectibles which is a game that otis and i my, my kid play when we walk to school which is i think basically an idea that otis has come up with which is basically pokemon but we've come up with the with, with <laughs> the characters you gotta, themselves you gotta collect them all you gotta collect them and they're called collectibles <laughs> and uh and i've come up with one one's called the grumbling grump and he evolves into the into the uh to the uh oh, into the grumpy grouch yeah i mean incredible i mean it sounds like it could be a multi-billion dollar franchise oh yeah or at least oh yeah absolutely i think it's a darker i I, i'm trying to push it into a dark and into a darker grittier grumbly grumblier grumblier um uh pokemon great so we gotta look that look out for that possibly the 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 atb (laughs) p-o-d-c-a-s-t As we say goodbye to the great man, Alistair Tremblay Birchall, we say hello to everyone's favourite section of the show, <laughs> uh, where we get to thank some of our fantastic Patreon supporters. And if you want to get involved, Dave, where do you have to go? You go to patreon.com slash do go on pod. And supporting us on there also supports our other uh, podcasts in this mini podcast network. What else have we got, Dave? We've got uh, Book Cheats. I'm back doing uh, classic books that I've read them so you don't have to, summarising them and making a bit of fun with some guests. we got Who Knew It with Matt Stewart. You've recently celebrated one full year of everyone's favourite comedy quiz show. Yes, and uh, it was beautiful to celebrate with... Uh, at the time of recording, it's going to be with the same lineup as episode one, Jess, Dave and Seren, just to see how far we've come in a year. Uh, but And Dave, your book chain, what are the, the two comeback episodes? What are the topics? I've done um, A Good Man is Hard to Find by Flannery O'Connor. A.K.A. Fergal Sharky. <laughs> yeah, that's a right. Good man, that was with you and Kirsty Wiebeck. And then I did a recent one on Goodbye, Mr. Chips with uh, great guests Chris Ryan and Luke Heggie. So good. And who knew it? It's basically it's a, it's a podcast about... It's a comedy quiz, basically, where the guests uh, have to come up with fake answers to questions, uh, similar to the old game Dictionary. So, it's a lot of bluff and a lot of fun, I would say. A lot of bluff, a lot of bluster. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a couple other podcasts in the network that are quietly puttering away. Uh, listen now, podcast about classic albums, mainly, and uh, also Primates, which is about primates and popular culture. Anyway, so you're supporting all those when you support us at Patreon.com slash do go on pod. And uh, this part of the show, we thank these great supporters. Uh, the first thing we do, apart from anything else, uh, people on different levels get three bonus episodes a month. That's right. We've recently hit 190 bonus episodes. And it's soon going to go to four a month if we hit our target, which we are creeping towards over the months. It looks like, yeah. I reckon by the end of the year we'll be doing four a month, hopefully, if, if the, it keeps ticking over in the right direction. And the fourth one each month will be a Dungeons & Dragons campaign. I'm looking forward to it. It was so much fun last one we did. There is a campaign already up there if you sign up uh, for episode campaign we did with Dungeon Master and a kind of a lay. It was so much fun. I'm looking forward to doing it again. And, yeah, there's a, a bunch of other things. You have to vote for topics. Uh and uh, you also get, if you're on the Sydney Schomburg level, you get to be involved in the Fact, Quote, or Question section, which is this section, which actually has a jingle, goes something like this. Fact, quote, or question. Ding. We always remember the ding. He always remembers the sing. And in this section, people who sign up on the Sydney Schomburg level get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question, or a brag, or a suggestion, or really whatever they like. And I read four of them out each week. The first one this week comes from Danielle and Adam Osborne. And they also get to give themselves a title. 
Danielle and Adam have the title The Aqua Bolt and The Undead Raven. <laughs> Beautiful names for little like girls. Uh, and The Aqua Bolt and The Undead Raven have a brag writing, Hi guys, we have been enjoying the pod for many years and love meeting Matt and Dave plus the extended Dugan family in Bristol last year. Oh, what a great place. You guys are also lovely. We love you too, Jess. Well, I like that you put that in brackets because she can't hear it. Although she, I'm sure she's listening right now. Shout out to you, Jess. Hopefully Hi, Jess. you are alive and well. Um, <laughs> she's just away. She's away. That's all. Yeah, that's right. We mentioned she's that away. on this episode yet. She's away doing fun things. She's doing the farewell tour for Hobber and Hing. That's right. Away saying goodbye to the Triple J listeners because the show that she appeared on for a few years there, Hobber and Hing has finished up, and also their podcast. Simply, Simply the, the jest. jest. I nearly thought my mind went to. Who knew it with Jess Perkins? I was like, that's not right. That's right. Something not I know it's right something to that. do with their name. Yeah, Simply the Jess. A great show. And um, yeah, they're doing a bit of a farewell tour that she's part of. Uh, but Aquabolt and Undead Raven go on to say, over the past three and a half years, we have been creating, playtesting, and illustrating our first board game. And we're about to run a Kickstarter campaign starting on the 1st of September, 2023. Well, that's already started. Uh, so did I say this is a brag? So this is... Love a brag. Love a board game. So, here we go. Tell me more. Uh, Our game is called Meteor Heroes. How appropriate is that for this episode? Oh, my God. Isn't that incredible? And we always ask a question to introduce the topic of the game. Does this sound familiar? The question (laughs) is, what word do you think of when describing a hero? Oh, what do you think, Dave? Heroic. Oh, yeah, that's good. (laughs) Honestly. Uh, Yeah, stoic. Is that yeah. anything? Stoic. I think maybe bra- heroic and brave. Stoic. Brave, yeah. Um, but heroic and stoic is good. They say our answer is always fame because the heroes in our game are only interested in one thing, becoming the most famous hero in Justice City. In the game, you can collect powers, creating your unique superhero identity. Our favorites are in our title. Oh, the Aquabolt and the Undead Raven. You hop around the city resolving petty crimes and events to become famous around Justice City. But beware of crisis turning up. As if you can't solve them, your fame will be taken away. It is a competitive game using area control strategy and push your luck elements at its core. If you want to find out more about the game, search Meteor Heroes on Kickstarter. Uh, There's the link, kickstarter.com, and it's neveryellowgames slash meteor-heroes. But, yeah, I think if you just search Meteor Heroes. But isn't that incredible? These just come up when they come up in our, um, in in order of when people um, suggest them. And I try and keep the submissions, uh, like, make it fair. So, if people haven't had one read out for a while. I've, I'm on their Kickstarter. I found it. Great artwork. This game looks really fun. And I've got some good news. The goal has already been met. Oh, well done. Congratulations. They're about double their goal. It when is it? What, they've got a, th- a little banner here saying 100% funded in less than an hour. Wow. When is the deadline? Because this episode probably maybe comes out. Unfortunately, after. it's only got eight days to go at time of recording. So, it's finishing up uh, at the what, 22nd, 23rd of September. Well, I mean, the fact that it, it's reached the goal, I can assume it's getting made. So, um, yeah, maybe with your next fact quote or question... Danielle and Adam, you can let us know where people can get hold of the game. Um, yeah, that's right. That's so exciting! Congratulations. I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, kick in after we stop recording now as well. I reckon, um, because I'm just one of the good guys. Um, I'm just looking for uh, 
points in the game. Do you think that'll get me points? Absolutely. You're I think it should give you, you know, starting points every time you play if you kick starter. If you kick another kick starter. I think that's only fair. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Danielle and Adam. Just uh, Danielle and Adam, just want to note that Dave did not say he was kicking in. The next one comes from Lauren. <laughs> I'm not kicking in, I'm starting in. Kickstarting. Uh, Lauren, aka professional cat patter and annoyer, has a joke writing, before I get to the joke, I just want to say you guys are the best. Oh, my God. Lauren, please, stop it. Stop it. No, you are. Oh, my God. That was very nice. Uh Lauren goes on to say, this podcast keeps me going through my 12-hour night shifts doing coal testing. Coal? How are we selling coal? C-O-A-L. What other coal would it be? I don't know. Still, but what do you know what coal testing is? Yeah, I'm guessing it's sort of just uh, get a lump of coal. Yeah, yeah. What are we do testing the bite for? Test? <laughs> is it real? Yep. yep. Tastes, tastes like coal. Oh, no. This is fake coal. Put it in the fake coal bin. Uh, my co-workers are always wondering what I'm cackling about when listening to you. Oh, that's so fun. Now for the joke. It's short and sweet. Ready, Dave? Okay, ready. Hit me. Hit me, hit me with the laughs. I walked past someone the other day with 12 boobs. Sounds funny. Doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Lauren says, get it? Get it. Doesn't it? <laughs> Doesn't it? Now, is tit uh, capitalized and bolded on your screen? It isn't. And I don't think it needs to be because it's a subtle joke that subtle people would get. Doesn't tit. Doesn't tit. Because there's 12. 12. Yep. Boobs. Great. That's good stuff. I'm not 100% sure that you is, get it, Dave. That is 100% a joke. <laughs> Lauren, thank you so much. Uh, please get back in touch and let us know what your job is. Cold <laughs> yeah. tester. And what does coal taste like? Mm, it's like a skill tester. I'm picturing little lumps of coal. And you got to get the claw down, pick it up. Oh, yeah. Uh, the next one comes from Jason Wessner. Okay. CEO of Wait a Minute, Is This Thing On? How do you work this stupid thing? Hello, hello. <laughs> and Jason has a quote writing, this is a bit of a fact and a quote all in one from Neil deGrasse Tyson. Quote, just an FYI, if you removed all veins, arteries and capillaries from your body and laid them end to end... You would die. <laughs> what a devil. That's good stuff. He is he is a devilish wit. Neil deGrasse Tyson. I can't hear his name without thinking of Degrassi Junior High. And Even the way you say it makes me think I think of De- Degrassi from the way you I don't know. You have Is it pronounced differently? No, like there's is there something in like your I don't know, presentation of the words. Maybe I can understand. I can hear in your mind you thinking about Degrassi. I don't know how, but I can. Yeah, maybe that, that's got to be one of the, a, a fake answer on who knew it at some point that I can use. Neil Degrassi, junior high, Tyson. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you so much for that, Jason Westner. And finally, from Amy Clark, a.k.a. Brigadier General Forgettable Name, with the fact Amy writes... Did you know that three-toed sloths have extra neck vertebrae that allow them to turn their heads 270 degrees? Can you imagine being a Spanish conquistador? I didn't quite know that. Spanish conquistador, slowly making your way through the rainforest by torchlight, hearing a rustling in the trees above you when you illuminate the source of the sound. It's one of these creatures which then turns its head completely around with a smile on its face. 
I know they're incredibly cute and people are not generally afraid of them these days, but I imagine these early sightings by foreigners, especially at night, as in my imagined scenario, (laughs) may have spawned some legends about demons and other evil spirits in the rainforest. Cheers! (laughs) Fully. They don't like... That Anything be... that can turn its head all the way around smiling. Yeah. That's, be... that's scarier than someone turning around frowning, for yeah. instance. <laughs> yeah, you're thinking, what have they got planned? You picture them also saying, hello. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something like that. Great fact, Amy Clark. Appreciate that very much. And uh, thanks so much to Jason, Lauren, Danielle, and Adam as well. What a fantastic little series of facts, quotes, and questions. And like I say, if you want to get involved in those, go to the Sydney Scheinberg level or above. Uh, the next thing we like to do is shout out to a few of our other fantastic supporters. Jess normally comes with a bit of a game. Dave, do you think you could come up with that one this week? Ooh, okay. Tunguska event. Yeah. Maybe they can, Maybe their wild theory on what did it. On what caused. What caused the Tunguska. Okay, the, the question is, do they know what's causing it? Do they know what's causing and it? And we have the answer. Now, do you want, I reckon, last uh, last week, I think it was. No, a few weeks ago, whenever it was, uh, where Jess was away. One of us read out the names, the other one. Do you want to do it like that again? Okay, great. Which one do you want to do? I think you read them out last time. And I-, I did the I did the nicknames last time, but it was a much easier job because I was just reading them as well. Oh, that's right. I'm thinking of another episode. Uh, okay, back to me then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, read, right. you read them out. Here we go. Because I like this about you. We know from the uh, Triptych Club section that you- Think quick on your feet. It's My mind is a steel trap. Yeah. All right. So, if I can thank for their great support from, how's this place? King City in Ontario in Canada. Adam with cats. Wow. Cheers to the king. Um, What about, it was just, it was someone's 21st birthday. Mm. Someone thought it'd be funny to bring some fireworks. Yeah. But obviously, this is 100 plus years ago. They weren't that sure about the ratio. One thing led to another. They had a few drinks. They, the, it just got out of hand. Yeah. There's one really, really, really big firework. And when the parents were coming home, they quickly tried to put things together. They started putting trees upright again in the yep. middle, but they ran out of time. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> there, there's that one section of trees that are <laughs> that still That was upright. them cleaning up. Yeah. They thought they'd get to all 800 square miles, <laughs> but, but they didn't quite do it. Didn't quite do it. Uh, thank you so much. Adam with cats. A fantastic name. I'd also love to thank from Pueblo West in Colorado in the United States, Danny Loro. Danny Loro. Danny Loro was was a part of this, and it was all just a prank. Mm. Like, that was a know, massive you, hoax. You probably heard about cow tipping. Yeah. You, I don't know if that's actually even a real thing. You Crop push, circles. Push over <laughs> very ca- different pranks. But putting both together, yeah. pu- pushing a cow over, they, they just started pushing trees over. Yeah, tree tipping. Tree tipping. That's what this Which was. Which is also what, yeah, that's what crop circles are as well, right? They're just um, they crop, crop tipping. Yeah, that's- But- um, <laughs> You just- Everything <laughs> becomes through the lens of cow tipping. So, you're like, what, do you want a cup of tea? Oh, you mean tea tipping? <laughs> Anything you that you push over, everything, anything you push over, you're putting the tea bag into the mug. Can you cow tip us a glass of water? <laughs> yeah, from that jug. Just water tip, uh, <laughs> water tip it in to that glass. So yeah, a prank completely out of hand. Yeah, tree tipping, tree tipping. Danny Lora, you are diabolical. Yeah, dog. Thank you so much. I'd also love to thank from Derby in Great Britain. It's Jonah Luckett. Jonah Luckett. Um, I think that Jonah Luckett was directing a student film, mm. and obviously Jonah Luckett doesn't do anything by halves. No, 
they were they wanted aliens. They wanted it to look good, so they had to flatten eight hundred square miles of wood. Fortunately, don't worry, they got a permit. Mm. It's all above board. Yeah, permit got lost. Unfortunately, and also then the council like there was a bit of a cover up. They said if you don't tell anyone, we don't we tell, tell anyone. It's okay. And then Jonah said, actually, you know what? I'm going to move on. To- I'm going to make a different movie anyway. It's all good. Something I forgot to ask, Al. I'd love to know if there's a photo from above. Would that have been possible at the time? I'd love to see, you know, like now that you'd put a drone up and, and get a great photo of it. But yeah. at the time, would that have been possible? I guess the plane could have flown over in in the decades after, maybe. Well, the decades after, yeah. But it's also very- Because it was, what is it, 20-something years later that it still looked pretty similar. Yeah, from then they could have. I wonder if there is any photos even now. Yeah, really interested. Um, but we'll never know because Al's left the building. Yeah, Al's gone. Uh, how about we thank from Kenmore here in Australia in Queensland, it's Paula Arayu. Arayu? Paula Arayu. You happy with Arayu there? Arayu? Arayu or Arayjo? I'm not sure. I assume it would be a y at the end. Mm. But Paula is a big- uh, This is actually- You know, they, they talk about like- um, the IPL, the Indian Premier League, mm. the 2020 thing. That was obviously a big breakaway. Like, they made their own league or whatever over there. And now there's the Caribbean League. Yeah. Big the, bash in there's Australia. There's big bash. There's the, the 100 Paci- in England. They've got that. They've got the Pakistani one. They've all got their own uh, 2020 leagues. Mm. And everyone's like, wow, this, this you know, they've, they've modernized the sport. But did you know that they're actually trying to set up Russian 2020? Oh. And what they were doing was creating a series of ovals yes. to play the game. But unfortunately- the uh, the backer, which was probably Kerry Packer, pulled out, pulled the money out, and they were just left with uh, half built ovals. Right, and that's what all the flattened trees were. Okay, so, they did the first bit of building an oval. Yeah, yeah, exploding they, the trees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They started clearing the land, but then there were a few industrial disputes, and then it's lost to history. And then they think that twenty twenty is actually a new game. Mm. It's not at all. No, and Goes. Paula was there at the start. Paula, so sorry that uh, Kerry Packer, the backer, pulled out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'd also love to thank from Sacramento. We've had King City, we've had Queensland, and now we've got the Sacramento Kings, home of Sacramento, California in the US. It's Isabel McTeer. Isabel McTeer. Okay. Um, Isabel McTeer. I think what she did was she had this uh, plan for uh, above-ground pools in Siberia to home uh, to house blue whales. So, that to be really big above ground pools. Massive. And they had them there for a little while, but it turns out it was not the ideal climate. They froze solid. <laughs> yeah, they did it in summer and they thought, this is great. <laughs> yeah. They're loving it. But, uh, yeah, so they ended up having to, by the next summer, it all melted and they had the blubber and everything. They had to get rid of all that. So, they exploded the evidence. Oh, um, no, they exploded the whale, I know. And then, you know, just the huge uh, round, what looked like blast zones were just, you know, have you ever seen, like as a kid, I remember a friend had an above ground pool. When they got rid of it, the grass underneath was all dead. Ah. Just think of a bigger version of that. Yeah, a big above ground pool. Yes. Like a really big one. Big enough for a blue whale. Yeah. <laughs> Does a, it still a have, pot of blue whales. Still have the little ladder that you lower in. Yeah, yeah. But Only that ladder's big. Yeah, it's like 50 metres <laughs> yeah. deep. So, to a whale, it's little, but it's actually quite big. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Isabel. Uh, from San Antonio in Texas, 
in the US. I'd love to thank Larissa O'Neill. Larissa O'Neill is an alien tour guide. Oh, okay. She was there sort of guiding them in. Come on over. Siberia's in the middle of nowhere. No one's going to see this. Mm. Uh, oh, dear. Few people have seen it. You better go. <laughs> yeah. You've, you've got to go. Mum's home. Mum's home. Mum's home. You've got to go. So, so an alien's 21st. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are <laughs> are we? Mine are all big uh, 21st themed. <laughs> We're already uh, repeating ideas. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but this one's with aliens. Yeah. <laughs> They're back now in alien form. <laughs> Larissa O'Neill. And also tour guide. Yeah. Come sure. on, there's a brand new spin on this. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I know I was the one casting aspersions, but I'm also yeah. saying, back off Dave. He's brought a new flavour <laughs> to this. Let me go. Let him go. Let him work. Uh, thank you so much, Larissa. I'd also love to thank from Columbus in Ohio, God's country itself in the United States. <gasps> Is it the freak, Ian Harvey? Remember the freak? That's the nickname of Ian Harvey. Yeah, the, the- Victorian cricketer. Great, great Yorker bowler at the death in one days. Let me, I, it's- All-rounder? I can't think of what he looks like, but yeah, definitely. Ian Harvey. Oh, there he is, coming up. 1972. Yeah. Yeah. 73 one-day internationals. Nicknames, Harves and Freak. <laughs> That's great. Um. So, yeah, what- does Freak give you anything? Or Harves? Harves. He was he was nicknamed Harves because he was always trying to split things. He's like, oh, I want to. They're at a restaurant. Oh, I feel like chips, but I don't feel like a whole thing of chips. I want to go Harves. And that's <laughs> how I got the nickname. Ah, uh, right. Great. <laughs> every every nickname's got a story. And that's, yeah, that's Adam- Ian Harvey. Ian Harves Harvey's nickname. The Freak. Apologies if it's Iron Harvey. Oh, my God. Imagine their whole life they're being compared to the freak Ian Harvey. Yeah. They're like, I'm not Ian Harvey. I'm Iron Harvey. <laughs> I'm from the school of Iron's earrings. I, I can't believe that I've already done my cricket explanation before we got to <laughs> Ian Harvey. What other possible explanation could there be for the Tunguska event? Oh, well, what I was thinking was uh, they tried to get- Oh, my God. I was about to I was about to say a water park, but I, my other one was pools. Um <laughs> What about a 20- it is harder than it looks. What about a 21st? <laughs> what, about a, what about a 21st at a water park? Oh, he's done it. Uh, so, this one, yeah, this one's going to blow your mind because Ian Harvey, his theory is that a planet, an unknown planet, uh, which was it's a weird planet because it's invisible. Oh, yeah. But it's a big, heavy, you know, globe, a big, mm-hmm. beautiful globe. And it uh, it crash landed into the Earth at, at pretty slow pace. But no one could see it. And uh, on that planet, uh, the aliens were having a 21st birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so, there were sparks and all that. But that was just frivolities for them. And they were, you know, the guy who was driving the planet that night had had a couple too many alien beverages. Oh, no. Which is what they call booze. ABs. Yeah, ABs. Where's your ABV? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, so they, they stacked in there. But couldn't be seen. Those went, they backed out again. Leaving us with the mess to clean up. Mm. Us being humanity. Yeah, planet Earth. Yep. On your Ian Harves, Harves, Harvey. Uh, how about, thank you so much, Ian. So, how about from Hazelbrook in New South Wales, Australia, Jay. It's Jay and Jay farted. Jay farted. Jay did a really- Who farted? Remember Jay. that famous question? <laughs> yeah. It was Jay. Who farted? 
Jay, Jay did Hoof a really, really- That was the name of a racehorse. Yeah. That's so good. Hoof. Hoof hearted. Hearted. That's good stuff. Hoof hearted. Who says- Hoof hearted goes into third. I mean, people say horse racing is not the sport of kings. I mean, who says that? An well, idiot. That, that argument was put to bed the no, day that Hoof Hearted was born. No, not Hoof Hearted. Hoof Hearted. Hoof Hearted, please. But Jay did fart. Yes. In uh, Siberia. Jay. If Jay doesn't- Oh, no, Jay will know who they are. Basically, there's not many Jays from Hazelbrook in New South Wales, I would think. That did a big fart. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Jay. And finally, from Montclair in New Jersey in the United States, it's Chuck Appleseed. Chuck Appleseed. Gosh, I hope that's your real name. It's Ripper. That's a ripper dipper. Chuck Appleseed. Any th- any thoughts? Try to get a veggie patch going. <laughs> really, really big veggie mm. patch. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, Chuck Appleseed is a non de plume. Or have you say that? Uh, his real name is actually Jack and the Beanstalk. <laughs> <laughs> and each- this is the site of Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah. Yeah. A big beanstalk. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And the beanstalk took all the nutrients out of the ground. Meaning all the all the other plants, you know, like Siberian firs, uh, Siberian pines, Siberian mint, Siberian mint, Siberian uh, gum trees. Mm. They all went, uh, and since then the the uh, beanstalk has been felled. Been felled. It's been felled. Uh, but Chuck made off with the golden goose, so he's happy. So you know. Thank you so much, Chuck, Jay, Ian, Larissa, Isabel, Paula, Jonah, Danny, and Adam. Your support means so much to us. And uh, we thank you for being you. And the last thing we need to do is welcome a few people into the Triptych Club. Now, Dave, you explain this better than anyone. What is the Triptych Club? The Triptych Club, it's kind of like our hall of fame for people that have been supporting the show for a long, long time. A thank you, a shout out, a pat on the back, a welcome home, if you will. These people have been supporting the show on the shout out level or above for three consecutive years, never dropped away. Uh, we've already given them a shout out, you know, a couple of years ago, but to enshrine them forever, to thank their support, we put their name on a wall. Mm. We welcome them into the clubhouse. We get them onto the red carpet and we say, thanks for coming. And you're never going. Because why would you want to leave? Why would you want to leave? So, basically, it's our theatre of the mind uh, hangout zone. Some people call it a front door. We call it a one-way valve. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Once you get sucked in, (laughs) you'll never get sucked out. (laughs) Never again. Never again. (laughs) Oh, but yeah, but we- um we serve them food. We serve them drinks. The menu gets longer every week. We have live music. I always book a band. Jess is normally behind the bar. She is still there tonight. Uh, She's just doing it via Brisbane at the moment. And, uh, yeah, uh, I think just let me know that tonight behind the bar, she is serving uh, crater cakes and uh, Tunganska cocktails. And they include, uh, like, super fizzy drinks. Okay. All of them mushed in together. And then what she does is gets a soda stream and fizzes it up some more. So, it's- It is- you know, pumping with yeah, fizzy juice. Ready to go. Yeah, it is ready to go. So, when, get ready to pop that top. It will take an eye out if you're not careful. Um, and, uh, Dave, what band have you booked? Well, people will be yelling at their iPods if I don't mention that uh, th- the reason that Tunguska really st- sticks out to my mind is it is the name of the eighth episode of the fourth season of the great show, The X-Files. Oh, right. Do you remember this? Mulder travels to Russia to investigate the source of a black oil contamination. Mm. A classic episode uh, in the overall 
arc of the show. And this week, in celebration of that, you're never going to believe who I've been able to book book in. Don't tell me. Catatonia? I wish. I wish we could get the Welsh voice of an angel to come out tonight. But we have got none other than X-Files composer, creator of the himself to perform it live, Mark Snow. If you're doing that live. I hope his voice holds up. Yeah, he will be doing it all a cappella. I'm also going to say, Dave, I reckon I was just looking as I was putting together this list. We have got uh, Patreon supporters on the on the shout out level who who are coming up to seven years, seven years, seven years. And I'm thinking maybe we we think of a new club. You know, <laughs> we can't for, do another club. I'm thinking for the decade within the club for the if for those who make the decade. Well, I got to tell you that we've um, we've got, got three years to come up with a, it's, an idea. It's for been it. in the news this week that. Um, that Qantas has the, the lounge that, that people can become members of. Then they've got the business lounge if you're on business class flights. But then they also have the chairman's lounge, yes. which is invite only. Yep. And it's behind a secret door within the lounge type thing. We could have a secret door within the Triptych Club yes. where you get taken out the back, not shot. You'll be taken out the back and pampered in the, like the Decade Club or something. We'll think of something. Yes. we got three <laughs> years to think of something. If anyone has any suggestions, uh, yeah. let us know. <laughs> but um, Jess will enjoy that I've put that forward in her absence. <laughs> this this uh, end bit can, can get go even longer every week. But, uh, I think I think it's... I think so. If they're around for 10 years, tell me they don't deserve another shout. Tell me, Dave. Oh, I Dave, tell it. me. Go on. I won't. Because it's you can't. No, because you're threatening me. <laughs> so we got four inductees into the Triptych Club tonight. Tonight, <laughs> and I'm standing on the door. I'm about to lift a velvet rope. I'm going to read out these names. Dave's on stage, mic in hand, ready to hype you up as you enter. I'm going to call out your name, lift the rope. You run in. Dave's hyping you up. Everyone who's already in the club will be chanting your name. You might not necessarily hear it on this. We don't have great audience mics here, but you will hear Dave. Yeah, that's right. All right. Are we ready to go? Dave normally does a bit of uh, weak wordplay based on your name or your hometown. So, just to prepare you for that, he's not being disrespectful. He's being very respectful. Very respectful. <laughs> Giving you the respect you deserve. All right. First up from Kawasaki in Japan, it's Chiharu Nishimoto. More like Kawasaki. Yeah. Oh, Dave, you've done it. Uh, from Claremont in Tasmania, Australia, it's Daniel Remington. Daniel Remington, the man of steel. <laughs> from Santa Monica in California in the United States, it's Margot K. Do Margot in. K. And finally, from Plainfield in New Hampshire in the United States, it's Dan Dry. I thought I wanted to Dan Die, but now I want to Dan Dry. Come on in. Welcome in. Make yourselves at home. Dan, Margo, Daniel, and Chiharu. Uh, so good. Three, four people from three different corners of the globe. Love to wow, hear it. All converging on the club. Make yourselves at home. Grab yourselves a crater cake and a Tunguska cocktail yeah but be careful (laughs) be careful very fizzy as you chill out to the music of mark snow (laughs) iconic i'm looking it up now it that song peaked at number two on the uk singles chart (laughs) that's actually there was a remix of it though i remember getting a bit of play 
Am I thinking of that? Am I correct that? Am I thinking of the Doctor Who one? Early 90... No, this definitely had a remix, but I'm wondering if that's the version, because early 96, it got to number two. That's incredible. The the world had X-Files fever, <laughs> and I didn't want a cure. Anyway, that brings us to the end of the episode. Anything else we need to tell people, Dave? Hey, if they want to support the show, you can do that at any time at patreon.com slash dogoonpod. And if you want to get in contact or hear our other pods or get links to our merch or suggest a topic, all those links can be found at our website, dogoonpod.com. Yes, and anyone can suggest a topic at any time. There's a link in the show notes or you can go to our website, dogoonpod.com. I think it's slash submit dash a dash Topic or something. You just look. It's There's easy a to click. There. It really is easy to click. I cannot emphasize <laughs> that enough. Uh, but we've got seven more topics for Blockbuster Tober. Is that correct? Am I that using counting properly there? Blockbuster Tober into Blovember. Oh, that's right. We've annexed an extra month. Now, Blocktober, Blockbuster Tober, Blocktober grace period goes for one sixth of the year. <laughs> You're right. Never thought about that like that. Love it. All right. We'll be back next week. Thanks so much for listening. Until then, I'll say goodbye. Later. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 